Hey, did you know this podcast has a Patreon? At patreon.com slash scarysundayscaries, you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar and get early access to episodes and join in on community posts with all the other hosts and me. Uh, patreon.com slash scarysundayscaries. Get out there and do it. Thanks. Sunday planet or galaxy or solar system that they're invested in um so it makes it like they're the the arbiters of all of it which is utter horseshit because they're religiously motivated which means you can't be like yeah i'm like okay all right time out time out wait a minute they're religiously motivated but they're not trying to proselytize the Jedi Order. They're trying to just bring about peace. That makes it worse, so Travis. It <laughs> they, no, it's better because they're no, religious zealots. They have, like, they're religious zealots that can only, uh, like, have they're exclusive. So it's like, you can't be a Jedi unless they pick you, which means that, like, if you listen to our Mulholland Drive episode, ranks. this conversation has been going on for literally Imagine five days. Imagine if <laughs> the police could just hire, could choose who they wanted to hire and actively if they were like we well, don't do i have news for you <laughs> not uh... like even more than they already do imagine yeah. if you didn't sign up to be police they just called you and you're like you're you a cop drafted now. into the police force. yeah by the way you're buddhist yeah. have you seen the clips of like the um like the spreading plague of jrotc especially among like latin yeah. american communities within like southern states know. and stuff it's a it's i mean pretty scary have you seen that it's like like it's like required now, like Military for in like light. some public schools, like where they're essentially like you're required to take a JROTC class and like so you know like what that funneling is funneling these. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All like I wasn't worst, sure if it's a southern like thing or not. People I have to I check. Went. Yeah. Do they? Do, you had JROTC in high school, probably, right? I mean, yeah, but it was it was optional. Flag waving. Like you could you march man yeah. stuff. But it's like all the worst people I went to high school with. Did, Ugh. You know, all the ones that like wish they were military but never. Yeah. Like in drafted, and then mm-hmm. we're like, "I'm still cool." Yeah. And you're like, "Bro, you wave a fake gun around." Yeah, you're talking to a check, future check, check. American soldier. Yeah, <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, how how deeply the military-industrial complex is ingrained. In this in all our, started because uh, of Star Wars. Just so we're clear. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, it's Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take a deep dive into a specific film and try to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. We're getting close to the end of our series on psychological horror, but it's the holiday season, guys. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to put out a special episode to celebrate the end of the year. I'm Travis. I'm Daniel. I'm Tyler. And this week we watched one of the most successful holiday horror movies of all time. What did we watch, guys? Gremlins. Gremlins. Gift he ever got. What is it? It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? We got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. Hell yeah. Nailed it. You've you've seen this before. This is one of my favorites. It's like from my childhood. My dad fucking loved this movie. So we watched it at the house all the time. What a feel good experience. Yeah, I put this on like I mean I knew it was gonna be fun to watch, but like as we were watching it, like I I kinda needed that palate cleanse to be honest. After we did Lynch, we did David Lynch and I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know what's real anymore. Like we've been on this like psychological like horror thing that I'm like, I don't know. Am I sane? 
I needed yeah. this. I need to be grounded in a reality where Mogwai and Gremlins exist. <laughs> a very tangible, yeah. very easy to understand. There Bring are clear rules that Earth. are set out in the movie. Yeah. Everything makes sense. I just needed things to be like boiled down to like the simplest possible the purest version. form. Of not it. the like, is this real or not? But like, don't do these three things. Oh no, it happens. And then they fight. The yeah. end. It's, it's great. so easy. It's such a good, yeah, the most nostalgic of experiences is watching this movie. It seriously was yeah. like, and it's, yeah, it's the holiday season too. It's cold outside, got mm-hmm. a Christmas tree in the corner, you put on Gremlins, you just have a good fucking time. Yeah. It's so good. I, uh, I want to start off the top. I love the new, like, obviously, it, the internet has propelled movie discourse, which is a big broad thesis. Here we go. Specific is so, like, I love how people are indulging in, like, Christmas adjacent cinema now. Like yeah, the like, diehard debate industry. has like raised yeah. the the awareness of people, yeah. even if it's a meme, to like watch Christmas adjacent stuff. And I feel like Gremlins has caught the wave. That's what I was thinking the whole time I was watching this. Yeah, I'm like we're done with diehard Christmas discourse. We're it's ready time for Gremlins, for Gremlins discourse. <laughs> 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 but what even is there to discourse? It's like so clearly it's an a explicit. Christmas movie. Yeah, Christmas is an instrumental part instrumental part of the plot. Like the yeah. entire thing initiates. But it never comes up in like the real in the christmas movie canon really does it like i feel like it doesn't get brought up enough i guess it's because the uh like the elements of the movie itself don't like the monster isn't a christmas monster specifically Mm -hmm. like because there's an entire industry now where it's like we have all of our our krampus movies and our rogue santa claus movies and like movie like silent night deadly night like movies that wear the yeah like the uh the the monster itself yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but like the monster itself is born out of christmas or something but yeah this one is just something that takes place during christmas right and, like the uh, separate niche of movies that happen during christmas yeah that are also like you know horror or mm-hmm. comedy or whatever kind of stuff mm-hmm. i like love that people are kind of seeing the like spread of it the sprawl mm-hmm. so to speak they're like oh if i want to have fun with my family it doesn't have to be the same old like miracle on 34th street it's or, wonderful life yeah yeah, which yeah, they, yeah. Shows up in all of them. Yeah, that's pretty hard. Uh, Yeah, Gremlins, 1984, man. It's uh, Joe Dante directing, Chris Columbus writing. Uh, Joe Dante, famous for, you know, The Howling, Gremlins 2, the sequel, uh, Small Soldiers. A lot of movies that I feel like are very... Small Soldiers, Yeah, do you remember Small Soldiers? Did you watch that as a kid? What a trigger. I made a big note of that in here. (laughs) Yeah, Small Soldiers, I feel like it it gets overlooked. Like, I feel like that's a movie that is kind of forgotten by people that aren't of our, maybe our generational sort Mm -hmm. of viewing canon or whatever. Uh, yeah. That was, that was like one of my all, favorites. Like as a three kid. of us were born at the perfect time for that movie yeah. to yeah. hit. Like, it's a, it's a very very specifically mid millennial movie that mm-hmm. has I, like and it has elements of it too that like not not only just like the topics of the movie from because it, it's it's a weirdly we're gonna talk come on, let's talk about small soldiers for a second like, like it's AI, a weirdly right? like it's been a yeah, while they're right? AI but they're also like there's like an anti war message in there yeah. and like things about pacifism but then it's also mm. like the animation style, like the stop motion style of the, that movie and all the little characters yeah. running around. It's very like Henry Selick, you know, um, 90s stop motion animation. Kind of like this movie too, where it's like, there was the question of whether or not, okay, are we going to have stop motion animation throughout this movie or are we going to have animatronic puppets? Full animatronic. And they went yeah. with the puppets and it was it paid off greatly. Yeah. Like uh, much Even to like, the chagrin of Chris Wallace. But, and uh, everybody on the cast and stuff yeah very expensive <laughs> very exhausting puppets i uh, here's what i'll say too is yes the puppets are expensive but 
uh, they say in film, don't work with dogs or kids. Mm-hmm. They're like, don't work with animals or kids because it's like a nightmare on set. You get like five seconds of screen time for three hours, seven hours of work. Mm-hmm. And there are multiple instances like the dog stuff. I was like, what the shit? That is mm-hmm. so expensive. How did they get that to happen? Like, obviously, the dog is trained. But to do the interactions with the puppet or, like, the RC car, like, when he's in the car, I yeah. watched that. I was like, holy shit. That must have taken forever to do. And it's yeah. like a quarter of a second insert of like <laughs> gizmo in a car and the dog's like oh no you're talking about uh mushroom the wolfhound who plays barney in this movie yeah the <laughs> mushroom his name is barney. mushroom <laughs> that's a cute name for a dog yeah. right uh yeah we're talking about gremlins guys uh yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the small town of kingston falls billy the son of a failed inventor is a gift is gifted a magical creature for christmas uh when billy fails to follow the simple rules for caring for the pet it multiplies and duplicates transforming into evil green monsters that terrorize the town with all the hilarious fanfare and chaos of a norman rockwell painting um <laughs> uh, it's like if rl stein's goosebumps covers met a norman rockwell painting dude speaking of the poster for this fucking movie is also awesome it's of that that era the yeah. 1980s where like every i think it's it's obviously come full circle like i'm sure at the time it's you know like the i feel like the uh the cinema poster is sort of a lost art in itself there's an entire sort of subreddit community dedicated to like lambasting every single superhero <laughs> or action <laughs> movie poster that comes out <laughs> when they lay them out to you you're like oh shit they're all blues and run. oranges with your central character like flanked by like their various other like yeah. stars and stuff uh, but this poster is awesome. It's just like the hand, like the 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 illustrated hands holding like the box with the Mogwai hands like poking out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and like I want to the... defend Billy though. I don't think he like. Well, he only fails once, and that's the one time that matters. But yeah. The first time I was like that was an accident. I don't. Mm-hmm. I would be more careful. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and it was yeah. mostly Corey failure... Feldman's fault. Yeah, the failure wasn't really his fault either. Are we, the, yeah, like he was manipulated. Fucking Billy apologists here in this fucking. Uh, You're well, goddamn, no, he was manipulated. <laughs> no, he specific. He looked at the clock. Yeah, he checked. I, yeah. I'm with you. Actually, I have. <laughs> I I uh, pre. I'm gonna front load this podcast. I did a deep dive on the actual physio like the phys- biology, yeah, the of biology and, and anatomical devices and how these rules actually would work. Uh, and I have some answers and more questions. Some gremlin taxonomy that we're going to get into here in a second. Oh, you can bet. I tried to do genus and species. Hell yeah. I also want to get into, I haven't gotten to use the soundbite enough, uh, because you've you've been absent for a couple of episodes of Tyler's Kill Corner, uh, because Jeff gave us that soundbite at the end of the last series, and I've only gotten to use it a couple of times, just in reference Mm -hmm. uh, to that episode, so I want to be able to throw that in there, too, because there's some awesome kills in this movie of gremlins and other people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, Gremlins was released in 1984 during a period in which uh, horror and comedy are sort of coalescing into more cohesive genres and becoming more intertwined uh ghostbusters would be released literally in the same weekend as as gremlins uh at the beginning of june in 1984 um this movie is based on the idea of gremlins which is a mythology that originates from world war ii uh raf pilots uh who would blame unexplained mechanical failures on the imagined little monsters uh were you mm-hmm. guys familiar with this did you see like any of these yeah. bugs bunny cartoons and stuff when you were a kid mm, i think it actually i want to say there was because I did a little bit of a deep dive into the folklore too. Yes, mm-hmm. there was there is some references to pilots in World War One mm-hmm. talking about it, because I think that is when Roald Dahl served. Right. Okay. So he served in World War One, and then he wrote the Gremlins in forty three. Right. Um. So it had kind of built up between the first and second World War. Mm-hmm. Um. So as far as like folklore and you know cryptid like kind of stories go, it's pretty recent. You know, it doesn't have like a yeah like the deep medieval 
um, history that like fairies or elves or anything. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, you know, right. It's only been gremlins have been around for a hundred years or mm-hmm. so, but they are kind of like a, a reference, like, like sort of an expansion of that, that same mythology, right? Like the fairies mm-hmm. and the Hilder folk and like mischievous, like little pixies or yeah, beings that impish. cause trouble. Yeah. For, uh, for just regular working class people that are trying to fly their airplanes. Over but not everybody. like murder anyone, but just like mess some stuff up. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like now your landing strut doesn't quite work as well. Or right. it like takes an extra 10 seconds to come out. And you're mm-hmm. like, god damn gremlins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you guys see the Bugs Bunny cartoon of him? Whenever I did he... not. Yeah, I remember this like, it was just back whenever, you know, like, there was this, you know, in the 90s, animated cartoons were sort of like, beginning to hit their stride but like i feel like we grew up on like when i was a little kid it was still like reruns and reruns and reruns of warner brothers yeah like looney tunes and like all the old school like yeah um and i remember watching like the entire catalog of looney tunes and there was the one bugs bunny cartoon um of bugs bunny uh being an raf pilot and dealing with like mid-air i vaguely remember this now that you describe it because they look kind of like uh, Marvin the Martian in that little cartoon. Like, mm-hmm. they run around the plane and little start... Little green men. Yeah, they're, like, undoing all the sprockets and stuff of the uh, of the biplane. Uh, and he has to, like, hastily try to, like, fix it while he's midair. They're, like, um, entities of uh, mild inconvenience, mm-hmm. is how I would describe mm-hmm. them. I feel like they range and from And sometimes that. murder. Yeah. And then there's also the, like, the Twilight Zone episode of, like, the Terror at 30,000 Feet, which was, like, my, my favorite Twilight Zone episode growing up. Where it's the one, like the the most famous one, where you know there's something on the wing, some thing, and like that's mm-hmm. a gremlin too. But it's in that one, it's like in the original one specifically, it's like a guy in like an ape suit, and he has just like a grotesque sort of uh, like Halloween mask on, uh, and he pops up to the to the window and just like presses his lips against it. That's a it's a really fun, scary. I this uh, not to like <laughs> draws down this rabbit hole too far, but I do think it's interesting to note how like the the concept of gremlins comes about, um, uh, like a couple maybe a decade or two after like the industrial revolution and some of the more like modern revolutions. Um, they say like America as a country kind of made its international debut in the Spanish American War and like the very tail end of the nineteen eighteen, well the end of the eighteen hundred period eighteen hundreds, the nineteenth century. Sunk. Uh, and in the 20th century, um, we see like a massive rise in, I mean, all along following hot on the heels of like World War One and all this of like, you know, industrialized warfare um, and how interesting it is to me that this like concept of heavy mass production um, implies the concept of like, you know, the gremlins, like things that are like machines aren't perfect. And so mm-hmm. there has to be like almost a folkloric explanation of sometimes it just goes bad. I mean, it's the classical mm-hmm. thing of, like, the anthropomorphization of any kind of problem or mystery throughout Well, here was my history. question. I, I guess I'm shooting all my shots you're gonna early You're going to jump the shark here? <laughs> I was going to say, what are some modern-day gremlins? Like, what do you think, like, the technological inconvenience now that you would say is a gremlin kind of thing? I think they've been replaced, like, I think post-Satanic Panic, it's just been replaced by people demonizing anybody in the scientific community, essentially. like. Okay, that was bold. <laughs> I was going to say my email going to jump, like, an important yeah. okay. email going Mailer to like demon. folder. Yeah. yeah, there's a little, e- like, Gmail gremlin that puts the important, yeah, important like, emails into the spam like folder, like, like, dragging it over. <laughs> like, clicks the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> like clicks again, right? I meant mild inconvenience, but that was interesting, Travis. Well, no, I, that was a leap. I was because I was to say, like, as far as you know, to to rewind back, like that's what I mean is the the idea of all the Hilderfolk and pixies and any kind of cryptid thing comes from where, like, you know, the like you said, pre-industrial eras where we would anthropomorphize or like find, you know, s- s- 
sort of spiritual explanations for scientific or technological phenomena that we didn't mm-hmm. quite have explanations for. And like in modern times, whenever we're sort of like past that, it's, you know, all of the problems that we have, at least in the United States post 1970s and 80s are either like foreigners or uh, people that we demonize within our own communities, which is also a part of this movie. Which, yeah, so. Mr. Futterman leads yeah. into <laughs> super hard. Yeah, it's just xenophobia. Which yeah. I, may or may not be a larger part of a thematic, a pol- sociopolitical theme that was introduced to me in film school when mm-hmm. it comes to the movie Gremlins. I was going to say, there's that... But full, I'll sit on that one. Full circle, yeah. <laughs> like well, Orientalism, is that where you're going? Uh, more than that, it's thematic to the 80s. Okay. Um, but I'll I was going to say, it. there is an element of economic displacement in here that we can touch on here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, uh, written by Chris Columbus, who no doubt took inspiration from the mythology of the Gremlins that we were talking about just a moment ago, uh, mm-hmm. constructed over the course of World War II. Uh, Chris Columbus says, though, that he was also inspired by a horde of mice that terrorized his loft apartment at night in his uh, at New York City the skittering um, loft. in the walls. Yeah, as uh, he was like in the garment district, where during the daytime things were okay, but at night you had you had shitloads of rats just in the walls and under the floorboards. Um, that sort of God. yeah generated mm-hmm. his uh, his inspiration for writing the Gremlins script. Yeah. Um, Steven Spielberg takes interest in this script, um, and which is only his like fourth script. Yeah, very early on in his career, so he just really shot his shot, and Spielberg mm-hmm. latched onto it. Yeah, props oh, in this and script that, that and- started. I mean, this started a, a great relationship for a few years between mm-hmm. him and Spielberg. So after yeah. this, you get the Goonies. Exactly, nineteen eighty five. Um, you get Home Alone later. Mm-hmm. He goes uh, young, young Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Um, so this kind of started a fucking hot run for him and Spielberg. Yeah, the Columbus train. <laughs> all aboard. It's rolling. Christopher yeah. Columbus. <laughs> all aboard. Uh, yeah, Spielberg decides to executive produce the film. Uh, they hire Joe Dante to direct based on his experience directing The Howling in 1981, a fantastic werewolf mm-hmm. movie. Um, also directed part of Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. He in didn't 19... do the three? Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. He didn't do that portion. He did a different portion because mm-hmm. it's like a three-act Yeah, movie, that's like but... the color Yeah, the color movie where like that's one of the, the vignettes that is in the Twilight Zone movie from uh, the 1980s, it's a good life. right? Right, He okay. directed the It's a Good Life portion, but George Miller did the Nightmare at 20,000 right. Feet, which yeah. is interesting that literally Ooh. the year before, he's part of a, of a project that has gremlin-esque qualities yeah. and then... He puts out Grumpy. Did you ever watch that Twilight Zone movie from the eighties? I haven't. That I haven't one's seen a. It. I watched the because I was obsessed with that with that one particular episode from Twilight Zone. Like I said, the Nightmare of Twenty. Is it twenty thousand or thirty thousand feet? Uh, twenty. Nice, twenty thousand feet. Yeah. And oh, the, thank God, it's less terrifying now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're lower, closer to the ground. Surely yeah. we won't hit terminal velocity from twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> my thing was like, so I was obsessed with Twilight Zone as a kid because every Halloween, uh, it was like AMC or Turner Classic Movies Channel or some, one of the channels would do a marathon of every Twilight Zone episode for like 24 hours over the course of Halloween. Mm-hmm. So we would go like before trick-or-treating and then after trick-or-treating I would come home and basically just like plop on the couch and just like stuff Reese's Pieces and stickers into my mouth and then watch every single episode of the Twilight Zone like in order. Um, and that was like a really formative sort of like background of anthology like horror and mystery stories for me as a kid. Uh, and the one that fascinated the most fascinated me the most was that 20 nightmare at 20,000 feet Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking the monster in the original black and white one was really scary because it was just a dude in a suit but it was like there was something really sort of uh like uncanny valley about it because you could tell it was a guy in the suit but like his performance in it was even scarier than the actual makeup or anything 
So I was really interested to watch that one from the 1980s where they, they update the monster a whole lot. And it is much more gremlin looking. It's basically like a giant gremlin. It looks like a fucking like reptar gremlin, basically. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at a picture of it right now. And this yeah. is definitely like pre-gremlin gremlin. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot scarier. Let me see it. Hold on. So that's how, probably how Chris yeah. will discover the job. Wait, show the class. <laughs> that math adds up. We'll put yeah. it on socials for other people. Yeah, it's it's way scarier than the than the fucking. It's like a little uh, predator baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a predator meets like I don't know, like predator meets gremlin. Yeah, yeah. that's what it looks like essentially. Um, Definitely a predator hairline going on there. Yeah, <laughs> it's got the receding predator yeah. hairline. <laughs> Midlife crisis predator. Um, yeah, originally, uh, I guess briefly, Tim Burton was also considered to direct. Uh, mm-hmm. the wow, what a movie that would have been! Yeah, but this is yeah. very, very early on yeah. in his he career. Didn't He'd have only any done his short films. Yet, right? yeah. yeah, he hadn't done anything yet. This is pre-Batman, pre. You know, he didn't direct Nightmare uh, Before Christmas, but this is before like any other of his actual feature-length directing mm-hmm. um, debuts. Uh, but yeah, so Joe, Joe Dante gets tapped to direct. Um, and Chris Columbus is writing, and it's often discussed how the original script, so the original conception of the script, right, is way, way darker than the movie that they eventually shot. Um, the original script included these sort of gruesome scenes in which the gremlins murder the dog and also decapitate Miss Peltzer. Um, and the original conception mm-hmm. of the script, Gizmo and Stripe were also going to be the same character uh, with sort of like mm-hmm. a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on. Uh, until Spielberg decided to have them separated into two individual characters yeah. in order for the yeah, audience the, to have some something to empathize there's with. There's that, like, protagonist to, that Spielberg mm-hmm. instinct to pull back on that. He's like, you know what? This could get real fucked up fast. Let's mm-hmm. just dial it back. I was thinking about, um, uh, oh, man, what's the ha- one of the haunted movies? Uh, par- um, oh, my God. Poltergeist? Poltergeist. I was thinking of Poltergeist the whole time I was watching this. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we had... for many reasons. Mm-hmm. One of them is just the sheer amount of things in this movie. Like people own shit, and there's so much stuff. But it's like every time it could turn a corner and go real fucked up, it kind of swerves, but ever so slightly away yeah. from that. I mean, this... we're, we're we're also talking. This is 1984, Ju- like July ish. June eighth is when this gets it's released. a summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. a summer release. Um, PG-13 rating yeah. gets enacted literally the next month. Yes. So yeah. they, they, you had to, we're still in this period where you have to toe the line where, yeah. is this a movie that parents can bring their minors to? Or are we getting an R rating and it's going to severely limit our audience? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Spielberg, I think for that time made yeah. the right decision because they could have gone, like, if this was made now, you go a little bit darker, call it PG-13. It's perfect. Yeah. But there was no PG-13. And I think this movie and Temple of Doom were mm-hmm. the two that are credited pretty with basically much forced the hand of the rating system to make a PG-13. Yeah, so even with the edits to the story, uh, many felt that the scenes of violence in the movie were made too mature for mm-hmm. a PG rating, like you said. Yeah, and so, so Gremlins like and Indiana Jones. Yep, Indiana, <laughs> Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, both released in 1984, um, are credited with being the motivation uh, from the MPAA to create the PG-13 rating for films such as this that, like you said, are not violent enough to be R-rated, but are too violent to be PG, essentially. Mm-hmm. So 1984, a really formative year uh, as far as the rating system goes, uh, and also the year that the national drinking age gets raised to 21, um, hmm. randomly. Yeah. Not off-topic, but isn't that also the year that Reagan becomes president? Yeah, right? Is it 1982 or 84? Uh, I thought it was 84 to 88, but I was not sure. Yeah, I think it is 
84. I'm just saying, is Reagan president uh, when this happens? Well, we're about to find out. This is like a wink, wink, nod, nod. It, he is president no, when this I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. For, he was from 81 to 89, so this is midterm. Yeah. Okay. Or oh. between his two terms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the math is adding up real <laughs> hard <laughs> right now. That makes so much sense. Um, yeah, because even the uh, the dark so the darker scenes are removed from the movie in order to produce a more lighthearted and family friendly movie. At, like you said, at the behest of Steven Spielberg, who has that that instinct to uh, to try to split the difference, I guess. To, you yeah. know, they they know what they're working with, and they they know that uh, going more family friendly is the direction with the, to go with this movie. Um, this is in a, in a run, like you said, you mentioned Poltergeist. Like we're in a run of a whole era of movies that that feel very Spielbergian, and this movie too is very. He as as a, as a producer on this movie, you can definitely feel the hand of Spielberg uh, over mm-hmm. on this one. It's got a lot of the, the you know, there's there's like the magical realism of it. Like we're in this very sort of, stylized, yeah, yeah. Uh, this very like quaint suburban like yeah. mid sized town. I was going to mm-hmm. say the deep was, Americana. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was shot on the same backlot, the Universal backlot as Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. It's literally the, the same. Ha. The same town. So this all <laughs> checks out. Plus all like the ET references. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just like he's like, guys, don't forget about me. Remember that thing I did? ET <laughs> if the, put him in there. <laughs> if the cinematic universe had been a thing in the nineteen eighties, like I mean you could argue that Spielberg is the first one to fucking do it. He's like, Yeah, every one of these movies just takes place in my own fucking brain and I am the this I am is the my god. Gripe, of this, though, is like... Cinematic universes back then are really just budget constraints. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, sure, but also like the props person's not gonna build brand new props they probably just borrowed some from whatever the producer had on hand which happened to be you know et yeah yeah they had access to that stuff so they shot it there it's like people draw more connections than it deserves but it still is like a great it doesn't mean it's not great yeah. it's just funny they're like because this was all only, these movies were intertwined it was budget was 11 million yeah yeah so i mean and for, in 1980s money like for a, i mean yeah but yeah. for i mean it was i'd be interested to see what that is compared to blockbuster or compared to uh ghostbusters yeah and just like something around indiana that time. jones which came out like the same in the same month yeah right and then also what like the uh, what the inflation is on them he's mm-hmm. looking it up right now i'm you. curious sorry i couldn't help myself cause... no that's a good question though yeah yeah, so Ghostbusters was thirty million dollars for Ghostbusters. The uh, total, like adjusted for inflation costs. The that's the, at nineteen eighty dollars. Uh, oh, nineteen eighty bucks. Yeah, so uh, nineteen eighty bucks. Eleven million eighty four is about thirty one point five. Oh, that's today. still nothing. To, so I that's mean, what to make the, a movie that's nowadays. What Ghostbusters was in eighty four. Yeah, so Ghostbusters then cost <laughs> what it would have cost now to about make about ninety Gremlins. million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which is yeah, that sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's still like I feel like I feel like now because what was the new Ghostbusters Afterlife? I'm sure that was over 100 million probably. It had to be. Yeah. Who knows? But, Who um, can say? That is to say though, like we'll talk about the box office later. But this movie made fucking bank. Uh, yeah, it, like 150. 212. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think it was 150 gross, like domestic. Maybe, yeah, right? it might have been yeah. domestic and then worldwide. I think it was like over. Yeah, it was way over. It was over 200. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I think we talked about this on when we ca- had my little brother call in for uh, the episode that we did on the menu. Um, but there is also, I remember from my childhood being kind of creeped out by this movie, especially the first time I saw it, because there's some jump scary moments in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then particularly when I had like relatives and cousins who bought Furbies uh, whenever they started like came about in the 1998, yeah. right? I was trying to figure that out. I was like, what was the cycle of this movie that just so happened to like associate it with Furbies in, so, a, in our entire generation's mind? I guarantee you can't a... ask a millennial 
or even an Xer about mm. uh, like gremlins without them bringing up Furbies. Furbies. Yeah, which so Has- Has- yeah. Hasbro got sued by Warner Universal, Brothers. really or by Warner Brothers? Yeah, yeah. Um, because the likeness was too close. Yeah, so uh, Gremlins comes out in 1984. The sequel comes out in 1990, right? And Furbies start to be released okay. in 1998. Um, the similarities between the Mogwai and the Furbies is pretty apparent right off mm-hmm. the bat, right? Um, so Warner Brothers basically has there's like like basically a quiet settlement is uh, is made, but like sort of you know behind Usually closed doors because at, at the time too and throughout the 90s, Warner Brothers has a really good working relationship with Hasbro because. They're Make making it, their action figures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're making all the action figures for all the superheroes and all the Which, other shit. Also, check the release date for Small Soldiers. 1998 as well, I think. 98. Yeah. So it's the, and Hasbro was releasing Small Soldiers toys. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you see the connections there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even, so within, I think it was 2000, like within a couple of years of Furbies being released, they released a special edition Gizmo Furby. Um, mm-hmm. You They just added arms to the, the Furby and it was a it was a Mogwai. Yeah, and gave it different ears, kind of. Yeah, and they, they put out like 400 of the limited edition like gizmo furby what a wild concept that like yeah. they sold furbies and uh, those things went like hotcakes and everybody was like this shit's scary yeah. <laughs> turn yeah, it was, off did you ever have a was there a furby in my your sister as a kid? had one but we had a two-story home so if it ever mouthed off we just put it on the bottom floor and yeah. went to bed yeah i i had one too but it did not last very long yeah I'll say that like the <laughs> lifespan's <laughs> gotta be like a couple months at best yeah well it didn't last long because I made it not last. Long, <laughs> if you get what I'm saying, because the first time that thing mouthed off in the closet at night, yeah, yeah. oh, it was over. Yeah. It was in the fucking yard with a bat. The next day, the neighbor brought his. Yeah, it was like we're done with these. What an what a what a, what a perfect <laughs> target for a baseball bat. It was, it was like an office space thing. Just, just <laughs> a ceremonial euthanizing of the Kirby. <laughs> Take him out back. I know. I remember mine was uh, like I was a perfect age for it. Where uh, like, cause yeah, we were like seven, eight years old or whatever. And my cousins had Furbies as a kid. Like we never had mm-hmm. one in our household. But I remember going to visit my cousins in like Corpus Christi for the holidays. And I think that was the first time me and my brother talked about this about watching like Gremlins uh, on one of their TVs. And then my older cousin, like she had a Furby or something. What is this? I just I Jesus pulled up Christ. Furbies on uh, eBay. And there, you can buy at a, an unused what is the 1998. Gizmo one going for? Well, the ones currently the, the standard unused or opened model brand new sealed box is about seventy bucks. So they're not okay. like super valuable. Like it's not like overly drawn. I think the highest here's one that's like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Oh God! What does it connect? <laughs> yeah. What does it connect to? Have you seen the? <laughs> have you gone down the deep Furby rabbit hole? Uh, like on social media. No, there's I don't a, want to there anymore. Like, there's theories. No, there's just an entire feel. there's an entire Furby subculture of e girls that like are. It's become like a symbol of like. Gauche. I hate that sentence you just said. <laughs> an entire subcur- am, subculture am be, of e girls into I'm be Furbies. Reading, like Furby erotic fanfic later it's, tonight. <laughs> I think it's also like. You know how like the new like the new Gen Z style right is like gauche sort of like nineties like postmodern anti yeah. yeah that's kind of like what like furby has become a symbol for that it's sort of like a like it's like synecdoche of like every <laughs> icon of the resistance it is it's literally like like long neck furby memes have you seen those yeah, so yeah. what that shit is fucking there's like brontosaurus dude. furby memes that it's like a it's haunting honestly long this furby. is so going on Cursed social long it's furby. like an hr geiger level like this is right up there next to uh our oh, hello shit. john yeah exactly yeah. like it's it's well, a whole long furby on etsy Eighty dollars. 
three See, feet long. They're not like crazy expensive. You could buy like a, a completely unused Furby for maybe a hundred dollars. Yeah, for the working class. You can get the the Gremlins one for a hundred bucks on eBay. Nice. I found Should it. we buy Shit. a Furby? <laughs> We're not going on the shelf here once we switch to video, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like I had. So my cousins had one as a kid, like growing up, and that was the thing where, like, when you're an eight year old and you have older cousins who are trying to torment you, like, I would go to sleep in my aunt's house and like. The first time that I complained about hearing the Furby in the middle of the night because it popped off and I woke up at three, put that thing away. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. I um, had to show dad. I popped off at like, like 3 a.m. being like, I heard the Furby in the night. And like, obviously my cousins would start fucking with me and then like in the middle of the night, like move it to different parts of the house and being like, oh, I didn't touch it. I don't know what you're talking That's about. That's amazing. And it's like became fucking a, elf on the shelf. Seriously. Like, <laughs> oh my Furby God. on the loose. Yeah. yeah it, it haunted me for a long time as a kid. Um, so there was no like they didn't this is the thing that i always laugh about is like when we talk about furbies people are like oh yeah the gremlins came out and then they made furbies i'm like gremlins came out in 84 even mm-hmm. gremlins 2 was 90 there was eight years from the sequel to this so i'm like curious what like why was everyone watching gremlins and associating it like furbies obviously mm-hmm. i was five or six when it came out but like what was the life cycle did it get like a second wind or something i think maybe it was a holiday thing part of it I think the time constraint as concerning like when the Furbies came out yeah. is probably a technical technological constraint, right? Because yeah. they had yeah. the light sensors, they had a little animatronic mouth. It was the eyes. first AI pet. Like these, yeah, these little. What about like, Tamagotchi? The Gremlin. Sorry, that's it. Uh, that, keep fair. going. Just keep but going. But like the Gremlin animatronics, right? They're costing thirty to forty k to right. make them for this movie. Well, you couldn't mass produce a little right. furry like animatronic. It wouldn't be easy. Intel 98. Yeah. yeah. When Hasbro I mean, could, you know, feasibly produce something like that. Yeah. You know? Gizmo was the hardest puppet for them to make because he, he was the smallest. Small. Yeah, yeah. He was the most difficult one for them to maintain and he broke down constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think that just like, you know, during like transitioning from VHS to, or, you know, from the VHS era into the DVD area, I think just all of video on demand. Maybe that's like, what it was. I think that like, and I also just think that Gremlins had like staying power. I think it was just a, you know, it's been a, it was a very quick cl- I just classic. wonder if it's like one of those like Berenstein Bears theory where like things just start to drift connect where like we just have seen Gremlins enough times mm-hmm. in our lives. So when Furbies came out, we were like, Gremlins, Furbies, A plus B equals C. Yeah. yeah. When I'm like, I don't, I mean, ha- Hasbro settled, right? Like they, there was a lawsuit. So it's not like Hasbro consciously was like, yes, Furbies and Gremlins. We did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like, you know, as far as the direction of causality goes, I think, you know, they saw that they saw Gizmo and somebody had an idea for a toy and the technology was there and then they made it and they were like, hey, you just copied our model. Just, just like watch. Chris Wallace made up this model back in the 1980s and you just copied his creature design. And, yeah. You know. If you bring up gremlins to any Gen X or millennial, uh, I'll give you each a quarter for every person who doesn't bring up Furbies. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll hold you to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think most would. I think we. I think they all would. It's like a weird association, mm. and I know that people are going to be like, "Why are they doing this on this podcast right now?" But I, it's the same thing. Is like <laughs> they're going to the, have these questions off the fucking. If rails we don't right talk now. about Furbies, <laughs> do you want to talk about some of the scenes in this movie? Yeah, no, let's definitely. just let's talk about Furbies for a Furby, while. <laughs> this is Furby cast now. This is just the Furby cast. <laughs> 
Um, we'll call it the Furcast for short. That way we'll get way more the viewers. Furcast. Oh, yeah, that's called a search engine optimization. <laughs> hey, Furcast. Uh, it's a holiday special. We do what we want. Yeah. The the rules are we're playing fast and loose with the rules on this uh, this episode. The format yeah, is out the window. Everybody in Gremlins. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the opening sequence of this movie takes place under the narration of Holly Axton in an ambiguous Chinatown somewhere in the Midwest or Northeast. Maybe. Chinatown. Did they ever say or, where Kingston Falls is? It feels Midwestern. I assumed. Yeah, I think it's New York. And then there's also like, I could see like suburban New York. Well, I, where are you going to get a Chinatown like, like upstate like, New York or something? You're I not getting China's... a Chinatown like that in the Midwest. Yeah, no. like he goes down to yeah, yeah, New York yeah. City and that's where his like convention is. Or that's what yeah, I think. He's trying yeah. to sell. That makes sense. Because he wares. drives to conventions mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like and he's like home and back easily. Yeah. The like time with which it takes him to get from the you know the chi- the Chinatown and wherever to his home is not that long. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's place it in the Northeast somewhere. That makes yeah. sense. Pennsylvania, yeah. upstate New York, or yeah, something upstate like New York. Yeah. Uh, Randall Peltzer finds himself in an obscure Chinese antique shop where he tries to peddle his latest invention, the bathroom buddy, uh, but instead finds a gift for his son. It's a mogwai. Uh, specifically, it's Gizmo the mogwai. The old shop owner refuses to sell him the pet, but his grandson slips the creature out the back and sells it to Randall Peltzer against his grandfather's wishes. Uh, yeah, this is where we get a little bit of the dated sort of uh, elements of this movie. Just Ooh, movie. magic. Yeah. Like- yeah, magical that, foreigner uh, mm-hmm. peddling goods, uh, some some uh, romanticization or infantilization of uh, uh, Chinese culture or East Asian culture. Yeah, uh, it's all there. Uh, it's you know from this is and then we we'll, we'll yeah, let it slide a little bit. Weird euphemisms yeah. like dragon's breath. Uh, yeah. and then he catches, and he's even aware of it. He yeah. catches himself and goes, "Oh, uh, bad breath." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's it's also funny, like I man, this the the dad character makes me so sad. Like that's like one of the the biggest bummers of this movie is just like watching him go around like this idea of like a uh, like a gadgeteer. Right? I know. I mm-hmm. wanted that is to so just outdated. Like, <laughs> like, the real yeah. horror of this movie is the absolute deconstruction of like the American dream. Yeah. This guy being like, if I just invent something smart enough, I'll be just I'll be able to take care of my family, and we'll be. And rich. He has, his house is littered with broken dreams, yeah. like, machines that don't work. <laughs> And you're welcome. And, like sabotage the rest of his family. <laughs> yeah, and, and like his family has to live with his broken dreams and try and like navigate them physically, manifest inside their house. That I being, thought about this for a minute. I was like, said, this guy's the saddest motherfucker. Still being able to afford whatever mortgage on a home on the salary of a single breadwinner who is a failed inventor. Oh, but and his, have, like, his, his nice teenage son works home. too. That's true. His yeah, the son works as a bank teller, so and I think some... that's part of it. Is his son's paying for. Some of yeah, his, some he's of paying the stuff. bills. Yeah. They do, yeah. Judge Reinhold does bring that up later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is something about like yeah the it because I feel like at the time right this is also happens in the Goonies right where uh, Data in the Goonies he has like that awesome jacket that has all the cool Inspector Gadget stuff in mm-hmm. it. Um, but the idea of like a gadgeteer is also like very outdated. The idea yeah. of like a tinkerer who makes all of these like fantastic little like you know doohickeys and stuff because. At the turn of the 21st century, like, we're kind of over, like, gadgets are outdated now, right? Anytime Apple or anybody comes well, out tell with... tell that to Sharper Image. That's true, I guess, yeah. <laughs> like, They're go niche. Buy my fucking... It's more like uh, like niche fascination than actual convenience these days. Mm-hmm. We're like, we have convenience. It's mm-hmm. like, we don't need yeah. someone to reinvent, you know, a bathroom Anything. buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We want, like, 
faster internet yeah <laughs> it's almost it's a holdover of that thing from like post-world war ii like boomer era of like coming home and all of like yeah the you know the crazy ovens or weird like refrigerators or like home making devices like mm-hmm. or any kind of your what- jetson robotic housewife mm-hmm. comes and delivers you your <laughs> tv dinner it always yeah. it, exactly it always makes me think of that like alton brown thing of like every kitchen gadget you don't need right it's like the only thing you yeah. need to cook with is a fucking chef's knife like mm-hmm. and everything else is is yeah anytime i get any of that shit we use it like three times yeah and then get shoved in a cabinet somewhere yeah until i decide to get rid of it that being said a sous vide is a fucking clutch thing to have in a kitchen that's not going anywhere yeah. and a food to... processor food processor is dope yeah i also kind Immersion of want blender. yeah i also kind of want a stand mixer a stand mixer has been the number one game food processor and stand mixer because you can mm. i will never ever stir enough dough to make bread like i'm like i just fucking won't do that i made a french I would rather loaf. a machine do this for me i made a french loaf over the weekend with so i i can't i don't know if i brought this up in like episode and a half ago but i broke my arm uh and so i've been like doing everything <laughs> i've been editing Hello, writing friends i've been editing writing and like doing shit with one arm here and i made a french loaf the other day with like one arm and i overworked the dough like way way too much like i developed way too much gluten and like came out kind of like you know dense yeah uh and that that's when i was like stand mixer is the way to go with yep. this. It, <laughs> i bought one from my wife for her birthday it was like her number one gift she wanted of all time i had some spare cash so i did it and it was like a dream came true and i was like oh my god i'm the greatest like husband ever i did it i succeeded <laughs> this was it opening up the gateway to making fresh bread is yeah it's probably one of the greatest gifts you could get it's one i've also closed because i'm like oh jesus christ i could make a lot of bread yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so after that, we get introduced to <laughs> we get introduced to Billy Peltzer, Kate, and some other characters in Kingston Falls, and most importantly, Barney. I can see his tail under the door over there. Actually, yeah, um, his tail popped <laughs> in for a second. He has to park it outside the door. My dog's name is Barney too, so this is this movie is is fantastic for that. We watched this with him, and it's kind of a scary movie for Barney to watch. We meet the the wild, kooky cast of characters that inhabit Kingston Falls, which include, mm. but are not limited to, a semi-drunk tractor driver who uh, has recently, recently unemployed, recently, recently unemployed, unemployed because uh, of the foreigners, mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> a xenophobic <laughs> tractor so, driver, the yeah. crotchety old landlord lady who kind of runs this town, kind of not who is a menace to everyone she's the mm. local finance witch she's the Jesus. she's the, she's the scrooge of she's, kingston falls uh, she was she's it was a mr burns mm-hmm. of the town yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was like to such a degree i was like man this movie is very much against uh like landlord power i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. Fuck, yeah. she's, yeah. Like, yeah. she's, she's like, crazy don't let me find your dog or i'll fucking kill it she's seriously slow death. Oh, like, straight up evil Christ. and then barney took her miss deagle is evil man yeah. yeah yeah i don't feel bad about her yeah, we meet Billy Peltzer working as a bank teller at a local bank side by side with Kate, played by Phoebe Cates, who is adorable in this movie. Oh my god! Also, God, what a cute icon. Dude. This is gonna sound Those bangs kind of messed up, but it's two years after Fast Times. I think mm-hmm. Fast Times original high is eighty two, which probably put Phoebe Cates in every young boy's bedroom. Oh yeah, um, for very this specific scenes in that movie. Innocent role. So it's for interesting her. for me to see her go from something like that into this movie gremlins but i'm assuming she's a grown adult when she made both of those movies and yeah. it's not like she's a teenager like she's ah, 21 this is my career. in this movie yeah so uh, but she pulls off 17 yeah clearly mm. she's done it multiple times yeah well they're like young adults in this movie her and billy seem like yeah, they're both they're, they're drinking they're working day jobs yeah. yeah 
She's working at she's the... She's bartending. Kate is wife material in this movie, though, too, dude. Like, she not yeah. only is, like... She's, like, helping him as, like, working uh, with him as a bank teller at the local bank. and she, But she's also, like, starting a petition to keep the local dive alive by be, having it declared a historical landmark. And then mm. she goes and volunteers for shifts at so the dive bar. don't have to pay another staff member. What a member. dope fucking lady, yeah. man. I don't know. Kate yeah. <laughs> and he treats her like trash, man. He She trauma dumps, and he's like, yeah, but where are the gremlins? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. He's <laughs> half paying attention during her expository. Which she told we'll monologue. get to it. We'll, we'll just get to we'll that. Get, we'll get to later. that in a little bit because I, I have some, we have some stuff to say about that. It'll, <laughs> it's it's fucking hilarious. Uh, so we're also introduced, like we said, to Billy's adorable dog Barney, who is in danger of being murdered by the local finance witch Miss Steagle, played by Polly Holiday. Um, mm. Kate. <laughs> uh, we also meet Billy's coworker, paid by Judge, uh, played by Judge Reinhold, who orders vodka martinis uh, at bars in the style of James Bond. Um, yeah, surprise, Judge Reinhold. Like a little, little bit before Santa Claus. Yeah, uh, yeah, that caught me off guard on the rewatch. Yeah, he like has a, a lot of roles like these where he just shows up in the background mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> is there. He's like the Ben Foster of early '80s cinema. He's like the Judge Reinhold of early '80s. <laughs> <cinema>. <laughs> well, Ben Foster's like the Australian actor that just pops up in movies, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh fuck, I love this actor, but I always forget his yeah, name. Yeah, nobody knows his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Briefly after that, we get uh, introduced to Pete, which is like the neighbor boy, right? Yeah, Corey Feldman Played shows up young, here. Yeah, he Corey get, Feldman. Yeah, he's operating uh, the. Uh, he's helping his dad operate the uh, Christmas tree vendor, mm-hmm. um, dressed up in his sweet pine suit. Like, yeah. Tree costume. Which is really cool. He's got like a tree. He's got like a Christmas tree ghillie suit yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um Later, we're, uh, so shortly afterward, we're introduced to the Peltzer household. Uh, we see more of Randall Peltzer's useless inventions, such as the egg cracker. Uh, Billy's mom prepares a meal while glued to the kitchen television set. This movie is very 80s. Uh, we also get hints that the evil Mrs. Deagle is threatening the mortgage or something of the Peltzer home. Uh, soon, Randall gets home and introduces the rest of the family to Gizmo, explaining the all-important three rules to Billy and his mother, which are... Don't show it bright lights. Don't get them wet. Don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. midnight. Most important rule, don't feed them after midnight. Yeah. This, do you want to talk about a little about the taxonomy of gremlins here? Because I think... Boy, do I! This is the... <laughs> the third rule is the most important because I, the third rule of feeding them after midnight is the one... The stupidest rule, for one thing, because it's always midnight somewhere. But yeah. it's and also when, like... when that, can you start feeding them? Again? That, there right, are answers that, to these questions. Sunrise, <laughs> apparently. Don't they address it in the second one, right? Uh, I actually haven't seen the Vaguely. second, but the articles yeah. I read, I guess, are working with both movies. Zach Gilligan, uh, the actor who plays Billy, was the first one to be like, but it's midnight somewhere all the yeah. time and joe dante so... was like shut up <laughs> hey, hey shut up shut up we gave I'm, you this role i'm glad joe dante didn't answer those questions because other people have spent way too much time doing it i am not one of them uh there's a several different theories about what they even are like what they're doing on our goddamn planet um but the larger <laughs> issue <laughs> is that like the evolutionary dead end of a mogwai gremlin life cycle is infuriating because um Mogwai give birth to a new Mogwai, and then you feed those Mogwai, and they become gremlins. But once they become gremlins, they can never they go can, back. Yeah, they can't go back, and they don't give birth to new Mogwai. So if if you feed them, they will turn, and they'll and you'll lose all the Mogwai presence which is why they this like, supports my idea it's that it's not told, a loop yeah i told you about this in the in the living room where i was like I, they seem like an invasive extraterrestrial species almost mm-hmm. like the fucking like like the like xenomorphs so it, yeah <laughs> the interesting thing is that one of the theories that they are they're an alien species and the planet with which they come from has very limited water cycles so mm. their reproductive cycle happens 
only based off of whatever like short term exposure they would get like to a water. Season. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if it was I don't know a 540 uh, day calendar on this planet, and of that 540 days, only one hour was like a rainy season Mm -hmm. and that's why it like matters is uh because that would be the period with which they could do a reproductive cycle Mm -hmm. and so there would be a natural selection that they would like slowly winnow their own population down over a long period of time provided that they're not exposed to what they would come from a place where they're not exposed to water there's another theory oh, that like suggests a they of come a survivalist from... fallacy in that, but oh. Well, they, yeah, and, but this also like this <laughs> I mean, whatever planet like they're the, coming from, there's right. limited Carrying nutrients. Capacity of the planet, right? exactly. Like, and so we're not. It a... has a natural stable, like it naturally stabilizes right. over a period mm-hmm. of time, and that As they most might populations even, do. Yeah, yeah, they might cannibalize each other too if it, oh, you know, if they overpopulate. <laughs> and that's that's Gremlin three, baby. So that is largely that they might be from a planet that doesn't get a lot of light. And so their entire gene, like their genetic structure is built around low light scenarios with like Mm. very, very short wet exposure cycles. I know. I swear to God, I learned. I looked all this up. (laughs) I'm not making it up. I swear. Um, And that their uh, digestive cycle, the like consumption of nutrients well, one argument is that just like whatever food we provide on our planet, whatever carbon based, yeah, like, causes uh, an enzyme process within them that basically makes them molt. Yeah, yeah they mutate. they do like a, they, their life cycle is like a butterfly, which is why it's confusing um, because butterflies don't go back to being caterpillars; they mm-hmm. just kind of die off. But they inside the the pupa, which that's what they call in pupal yeah, but stage. Butterflies lay caterpillar eggs, right? Which yeah. We're not getting new. We're scientists, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, that like they would, uh, they 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 would they're not used to whatever you know chemicals are in our food that creates the enzyme process that launches them down this whole rabbit hole of like pupa and then gremlin. Um, but another argument is that their dietary cycle is specifically tied around an actual solar midnight. So it's like geomagnetically linked because they have a different nervous system than us. So they're always tied to midnight dependent on whatever like solar midnight on wherever on the planet they are. So whatever the solar midnight All schedule right. for China is, is All when don't right. feed them. Whatever the solar midnight schedule is for Kingston Falls, don't feed them after that time period. Okay. But Which means it's also intrinsically related to solar sunrise. Yes. Like this is the polar mm. opposite. And that's like half of their life cycle they can't consume. Right. Um, and so... It's, Fundamentally, yeah. though, the most important thing that you failed to address in your in your thesis here, though, was that because they reproduce asexually through the, through water, do, do, do mogwai fuck? They don't. No. The answer is no. Then, they don't even nurture each other. They don't have the capability. Then where does sexy lady gremlin come from? That's the other thing is they're semi-conscious. So they they don't necessarily have gender constructs, but they do have intelligence enough to wear clothing. So it may may imply that they and both flash are, people and mimic <laughs> yeah. and mimic behavior. Mm-hmm. It's like we see we see in gremlins that um, the original model Gizmo copies what he sees on television. And so there's a you know a limited amount of time we see the actual. They are able to function. synthesize speech really really quickly. Yeah. So yeah. the limited yeah. brain capacity that they have implies that they're able to mimic like like a hyper functioning parrot almost. Like if a parrot could mimic action as well. Mm-hmm. And so there's suggestions that like the behavior of these gremlins are all representative of like what they see on television 
or in other people that they observe. Hence, if, like flashing or what if there's like a carpenter, chain smoking cigarettes. What or, if there, there's a there's a carpenter crossover here that's going to happen one day where it's they're they are a competitive species with the thing, whatever genus that thing comes off of, the alien species that replicates and inserts itself into right. a well, biological so there's, community. That's one theory is they're from another planet. Another theory is they come from an extreme. Um, like biodome or biogeode in on the planet itself, one that hasn't really been fully explored. Um, some think it could be like a desert kind of planet that is like closer towards the southern or northern pole. Like they would thrive in, in places where there's no sunlight, and so mm. it's like assumed that you know maybe they yeah, come like from in like the Arctic Circle. Yeah, they're like mm. Arctic Circle creatures. Hence the fur, hence the mobility, and hence the like size they're that they'd like be penguins. able to survive. Yeah. Yeah, they'd be able to kill and eat penguins and thrive Fuck off of yeah. that. <laughs> or that they may have like been frozen during like a like an ice age period and then become un- unthawed as the planet itself thawed in the last like 30 40 years resulting in their escape from their northern habitat. Which is why they still have the rules of a northern habitat, but they live in a modern world. There is a, a. So I like that idea more. Is that they already existed on this planet? There's there is a gremlin. And so they just got discovered again. It, like it was some thirty days of night shit. Oh, right? right. when they start yeah. wrecking the town, I was like, holy shit, this is thirty days yeah. of night. <laughs> there is a. Um, so there was supposed to be a HBO animated series released this year that never came to mm-hmm. fruition. Uh, Mogwai, the secrets of the Mogwai, right? Yeah, which I'm uh, hearing might come out next year eventually it might come out uh yeah. which apparently tells the backstory of the grandfather character in this movie meeting uh a, a mogwai as a young child and then going on like some weird treasure hunt where they encounter various other monsters well, i mean it's fair to say that you know he They're would just making him baby yoda if yeah. they don't were they don't make gizmo baby yoda. gizmo Please. was the original baby, baby yoda. yeah i was gonna say baby yoda is gizmo Sunday all right, scary. so we've gone down a, a, a big I, rabbit I hole I already shot my shot here. You all know <laughs> I, what I'm about. They're, you know what I'm about. They're very <laughs> confusing. George Guype, after the first Gremlins, penned a novel that helped yeah, create Gremlins 2 lore. The novel says that there's a... Sci- they're created like, by they're, a scientist. Yeah, they're created by a scientist from another planet. So they're supposed to be like galactic ambassadors of peace yeah. but then it turned out that they just transform into monsters so the whole project got scrapped and that, that's why there's like only one left oh that's what that's a quote unquote canon but internet sleuths have since given me a lot to work <laughs> a lot of. to chew on there it was interesting and to see you like sitting with your eyes glued to your laptop america is in the background and just like pat you yeah i can't talk to you right now the, gr- the gremlins are a fucking biological weapon made by the chinese they're the US. I, like run in babe look there's three main theories right she's like oh my god we don't have time for this again uh cory feldman shows up and accidentally spills a jar of nasty paint water on gizmo causing him to multiply into several other poorly behaved oh mogwai. last bit of important information this is really to the water is because that it has to be like water or like as cl- almost h- very like clear water like it beer doesn't count soda doesn't oh count. right or coffee like different right. liquids yeah. but different infused liquids don't count it has to be water which i think with paint like some paint would float or like oil-based paint would float on the surface of water so if that water is fell on i'm sorry guys i was like what because they do drink Somebody beer else, later yeah, yeah. They, and they it like doesn't make them all yeah the yeah they yeah. get covered in liquid it's yeah. like why is it just water hmm. i love that someone else thought <laughs> we don't need an, we don't need an explanation for that. 
But uh, I have them. But I, <laughs> no one asked for it, but we have it. Uh, You're so welcome. Right, right away, it's clear that the new Mogwai are much more rambunctious than Gizmo. One in particular sports a white mohawk or uh, stripe that appears to be the leader mm. of the new clones. Uh, Gizmo appears dismayed at the new development. Billy informs his dad and mother of a new multiplying creature. Uh, they decide to take one of the new Mogwai to Billy's high school biology class. Uh, uh, Biology teacher, sorry, to examine further. Uh, he, Mr. Hansen, the biology teacher, asks to observe one overnight. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Corey Feldman is hilarious in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one thing while Daniel was explaining all that <laughs> lore that I was thinking about if you need, is if like, you buy you time. from an evolutionary sen- why are the new Mogwai so, so much more sinister? Right. As soon as it happens, Gizmo's like, fuck. You could see the look on he his knows. face. He's like, yeah. this, this is This has bad. happened before. Yeah. yeah. So why... That makes it almost seem more like a like a weapon gone wrong, right? Because yeah. as soon as it happens, he knows everything's going to shit. I, I it, always imagine all, like, the, all yeah. the new Mogwai are little fuckers. Yeah, they all suck. Well, they, that could be the thing. Kind is, of little shits. Maybe yeah. they're like the Very reason they, they scrapped the project is the because we- they gave the weapon enough sentience and mimicry ability to like get into an American household, so mm. that it would be easy to invade. Um, and do like domestic warfare. Uh, the first but one's a sleeper. They created a creature that was too sentient and like uh-huh. knew Has the basics. Yeah, knew yeah. the basics of morality enough it's to like become self-aware. Yeah, like it was able to realize like I'm yeah. a weapon and I should not engage in the things that make me a weapon. And now I'm just gonna like live my life. Man, this movie is really about the inner conflict of Gizmo. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I love the little guy. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, that that moment of screen time that portrays his dismay his after pain. being duplicated. He like, refuses to eyes. eat. Gizmo after delivers midnight. the performance mm-hmm. of a lifetime. Gizmo mm-hmm. refuses to eat after midnight, and we don't know if Gizmo actually saw them tear the cl- like destroy the clock's cable, mm-hmm. which implies they are intrinsically linked to a geomagnetic solar <laughs> midnight. Gizmo intuited what midnight was without yeah. having to check a clock and refused to engage in that behavior. Well, he just but he didn't to, try to yeah. stop Billy from feeding them. Yeah, I know. That was horseshit. Uh, he just sat there. And then when he tried to give him chicken, he was like, mm. while they're like. Yeah, he kind of shrugs feasting. it off. Maybe he just he accepted the inevitable. He knew that it was going to happen, and so he really. Mm-hmm. You have to yeah. think too. Like, this might not be this planet will be destroyed inevitably. And this might not be his first cycle. My next planet. <laughs> I was going to say this might not be his first cycle either. Mm. Right. No, that's what I thing. It, so. it, you, it seems it, like he's gone through this before. When he gets right. the water yeah. on him, he's I mean, like, how else will we know the rules? <laughs> yeah. Um, also, yeah, in this uh, in this sequence, the gremlins string Barney up by the Christmas lights, which is really sad. Uh, this is like one of the after they start acting up, right? They start spitting and biting, and like that's it's clear mm. that they're like little shits. Um, they, uh, yeah, one of the first things they do is like the, Billy wakes up in the middle of the night and he goes outside to find that his poor little wolfhound has been like almost hung by christmas i know lights. also that i don't think you can legally do that to a dog on set anymore like, yeah. i don't think you can wrap a dog in christmas like they made a he harness really of christmas lights there, for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh poor barney poor mushroom uh he really got dealt a bad hand yeah he did. okay billy had a perfectly great pet yeah, and then his dad was, was like for christmas i'm gonna get this other little pet because Barney's not good enough. And also, then he gets ignored for like the first half of the movie. Well, they, yeah, his dad takes him away somewhere around. else because they're trying to protect him from his deagle. Yeah, fuck his dad. Well, that's yeah. like the deep <laughs> irony. That's the worst gift ever. Is like he he already has a pet, right? But he's proven to be a bad pet owner, quote unquote, by narrative logic because it terrorized Ms. Deagle's like yeah. snowman. Who deserved it? Yeah, yeah. Ms. Deagle sucks. So yeah. fuck I would Deagle. piss on her snowman if I could. Yeah. But the fact that like he was not good at taking care of his dog enough to prevent something like that is like a sign that he probably shouldn't raise a semi-sentient bioweapon. <laughs> 
his dad even comes out at one point whenever they discovered like the duplicated mogwai at first and he's like this could be the new american household pet it could replace the dog and you can see his inventor brain turning yeah Yeah. he's like it's a self-replicating infinite source of income yeah I mean, it could be Capitalism. an infinite source of en- energy, I guess, if mm. you decide that you want to like burn Mogwai burn for fuel. The, yeah, they're I car- want to get back to that thought based, at the very right? end of this movie. What the ending of it actually wonder had me wonder. We'll get to there. We'll just get there. <laughs> uh, Billy entranced by this movie, right? Billy meets up with Kate after a shift at the local dive. We get more of Mrs. Uh, Mister Fetterman's xenophobia as he's sent walking home by Kate, uh, being too drunk to drive. Uh, Fetterman references the World War II origins of the Gremlins mythology. Billy walks Kate home, and we learn that she does not celebrate Christmas, uh, but it is not yet explained why. But she delivers Jesus. some of the morose and morbid lines like, of the suicide movie. Suicide rates are the highest at the at these time of the year. While like, some Christmas people, is great. While some people are opening gifts, other people are opening up their wrists. It's like, damn, Kate. <laughs> Put that fucking Midwest emo yeah. like guitar tone underneath I it. <laughs> I was like waiting for like That's a Nirvana another. chord. <laughs> uh, Put when, some twinkles in there. Right. Yeah. When, when Billy arrives home, he accidentally feeds chicken wings to the gremlins after midnight. One of them has cut powered cord, put, cut the power cord to his alarm clock. Uh, in the high school. He actually checks too. He's like, oh, they're hungry. Yeah. He checks his clock and it's like 1150. 1150 or something. And he's like, oh, well, it doesn't count. Yet. Hands him the chicken and moves on. Man, it's been 1150 for a long time. Uh, the, at the high school, the biology teacher, Mr. Hansen, also mistakenly feeds the mogwai, uh, mogwai specimen. After midnight, uh, it steals a little sandwich, causing mm-hmm. it to transform along with the gremlins at the Peltzer household. Uh, they begin their pupa stage. Also, did your high school biology teacher know how to take blood samples and no critically like assess my high school like what was he gonna do teacher, right? was, yeah, like, yeah. He, like it pulls a hypo out like hits the vein takes blood sa- well, what are you doing with that do you have like a mass spectrometer in your fucking high, <laughs> like high school bio lab no. they might have like a centrifuge could or you have there? looked at the blood on. of one of those and also seen, did like, you see replicative process did you see the blood that came out it was like half Water, half blood. Dude, when that thing gets blended, it's like black. It's like yeah. gooey. It's green. Yeah, whenever they it's go, weird. they're I, like half green, half black blood. Yeah, they get they get gremlin-y and like their mm. they Well, to be fair, the goo. enzyming process within the pupil stage actually does change their entire bio makeup. You mean yeah, the putrid stage? The pu- pupil pu- pupil. <laughs> That's putrid. what Corey Feldman calls yeah, it. Yeah, the putrid stage. Um, and there's in this sequence with Mr. Fetterman too. We also learned that he's recently lost his job, and then Mrs. Deagle is hounding him as well, which is kind of like highlights the the undertone of this movie, which is like weirdly like economic displacement. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's like this running theme of movies throughout the '80s that it's always surprising to me that is present already uh, in this era that is supposed to be sort of times of e- economic boom that every little side plot is about everybody in the town losing their houses and homes because nobody can pay for shit and the one like one percenter in the town is just ruining everybody's life mm-hmm. uh it's i don't know i always thought that was a funny like throwaway thing for them to insert in here um the uh the cocoons of the gremlins resemble the eggs from alien which would have come out in 1979 <laughs> right uh it's clear that like the creature creator Chris Wallace, right, definitely took some inspiration from H.R. Geiger's monsters of, uh, of Alien, but they're they're I real. I did gooey. not look into the life cycle of a xenomorph, but I'm told it is much more scientifically factual than the life cycle. Also, of much a more complicated line. too. Yeah, because they mm. are bioweapons and they get like a lot weirder. But they actually have an evolutionary loop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're really cool. Uh, the next day, Billy goes to work and has another encounter with Miss Deagle. The gremlins emerge from their cocoons at the Peltzer household and attack Miss Peltzer. Uh, the gremlins at the school, the gremlin at the school, also hatches and murders Mister Hansen. Um, these are some of the most terrifying scenes in the movie. This is kind of, you can mm-hmm. definitely see why it's it gets rated PG thirteen. 
Um, Billy discovers the murdered body of Mr. Hanson and calls home immediately as he rushes home to save his mom. Um, as a kid, I can definitely recall being like scared of these specific moments whenever he's like finding the gremlin for the first time and it's like hiding out in the mm. science lab at the like high school. Running around. Like, yeah. Making tinkering noises all yeah. over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wonder, like, it proves their intelligence because there's a there's a needle in Mr. Hansen's yeah, yeah it stabs him in the butt. So like, <laughs> the gremlin knew enough about whatever substance was drawn up into that syringe that it would incapacitate Mr. Hansen. Wait, right? so yeah, that was a they, like how it did bears? They all have semi intelligence. How did Mr. Yeah. Hansen die? I don't think they show it, do they? No, he they like didn't crawls show under it. because the yeah he hears the gremlin like under the desk or under the table. I always assume that he got mauled under like there, in the face or something. But when Billy walks in, there's a syringe in his ass. Right. I thought that was just irony. I thought that was like well, the... that that would improve. <laughs> it's not just like intelligent, but also like capable of revenge. Yeah, you know I thought I mean? that was just the gremlin being oh. like fuck this guy too, yeah. and like he like. Do they actually show his death though? I don't think they no, do. I think, I think, think it do. happens off screen. But yeah. I always assumed he like because as a kid in my mind's eye like. You, these he, are some he of the goes creep, under yeah. there and then gets yeah, yeah he like rips his throat out or something mm-hmm. it had uh, to have been. I mean it could maul his face as badly as it wants but he'd still be alive unless mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're supposing that gremlin blood is also toxic in some way and like a la a xenomorph where when you get it in you or on you it automatically kills you or something I don't know though it's a mixed bag I right stretching for that it, yeah it needs water to molt um, so like when the thing jumps in the pool does that pool become a giant vat of you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. got like well, gremlin excrement. Billy's mom blends the one, right? Yeah, yeah and, like the, the juicer, and it everywhere. sprays all over the place. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think she doesn't seem to be harmed by that. Innocuous, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> they were designed to replicate and slash. Yeah, and cause general mayhem. Yeah, which they're really good at. Uh, Billy gets home just in time to slice off the head of a gremlin that is attacking Mrs. Peltzer. Uh, the gremlin named Stripe escapes out the living room window, and Billy pursues pursues Stripe to the local YMCA, where Stripe jumps into a lap pool and begins to multiply. He cannonballs yeah. into a yeah. lap pool. That scene I, is fucking tight. It is. We do love a good natatorium scene. And, yeah. 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 Uh, the lighting I, is great. I don't want to skip over Mrs. Peltzer going fucking ham on the other, the first two gremlins, though. Oh, That's dude. the stuff that stuck in my head. Yeah, uh, I yeah, think she, those she murders she were the ones that got me. Slam dunks the one into the shitty Peltzer juicer. Yeah, he gets blended in the in the microwave, she and then she dual wields kitchen knives yeah. and goes up to the <laughs> attic to try to face off against the other yeah, ones. She unlocked a new skill after that first kill. Yeah, like, she, she only your so EXP dual was down. well spent. Yeah. <laughs> she only gets taken by surprise when one when Stripe hides or what, the one that Billy murders hides in the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and gets the jump on her, uh, and that's when Billy gets home and like he takes one of the like swords off what, the wall. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> they have a couple of like random rate like yeah long swords on the wall and he takes one and chops it head off uh it goes into the fireplace and starts burning uh yeah and that's when stripe disappears and runs off into the night this was like mm. the 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 house itself like his family home is what reminded me so much of poltergeist was yeah just, it's, it's the same home structure packed to the brim with stuff though yeah like ridiculous like they're like cheesy swords on walls they mm. have a juicing machine an egg cracking that's machine. very 80s and, yeah nationalist like, stuff yeah. like we were talking about you just have as many knickknacks Prosperity. As but i do like think like possible. there's like some interesting points about like the they like all the places where some of this stuff happens, like the final finale in a retail store or mm-hmm. like 
the fact mm. that these gremlins are like constantly getting involved in all these like kind of commercial spaces in consumerist spaces. Yeah, so yeah. it's like something about like a consumerist uh, behavior, and it like kind of originates from the house and moves its way back up the consumer mm. chain to its like supplier. I mean, because at at their core, they they are symbols of like a rabid consumer base, right? Like that's what they like when they get to the the when tavern, to the right? Yeah. yeah, and they just start like eating and drinking and just like and indulging as much as possible. That's kind of like the whole. Mm point they're at the movie theater and they they eat every snack in the movie theater to the point that stripe is like going out in search of something else to eat because they just like ravenously consume everything he is technically foraging yeah they're also disciples of of the Disney franchise. They are they're obsessed with Snow White and the Seven Drawer Dwarves uh, mm-hmm. to the point that they have to sing along. Snow White they're the hypnotized. Seven <laughs> they're hypnotized by the Snow White soundtrack, and it it, it leaves them vulnerable Which, like, enough. All of this to... is just it's just bits. Like definitely, the guys like <laughs> no, what will no, 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 be no, no. funny. <laughs> what will be funny is if we blended one, or if we mm-hmm. microwaved right. one, or well, that whole bar scene, like. Yeah, it's it just goes a bunch on of bits. longer than it needs to. I but love yeah. the bar it's scene. Fine. It's the best scene. But it, I was like, damn, this they're just going to keep rolling with this. And oh, now they're breakdancing. Like, oh, shit. It's also hilarious that Kate <laughs> continues to work. To serve them. That's yeah, what I was like, going to say. She's like, they'll stay away if I just keep pouring these fucking beers. <laughs> just like <laughs> popping open Coors Originals for yeah. them. And like as they're sitting there at the bar top, slamming beers and eating popcorn. We just uh, keep them distracted, man. Yeah, you've got the couple in the corner that are like playing poker. You've got sexy noir woman who's like mm. listening to smooth jazz and smoking cigarettes with a fedora on. Uh, yeah, it's like definitely just a, a bunch of, of Jack comedy yeah. bits. <laughs> but it, I love that we've taken it and have been like, what are the like biological purposes yeah. behind this kind of mimicry? We, and, like, we've how done would that. It function? <laughs> yeah, we all me. of us I together use the have capital W as in like <laughs> we as a society. We? Yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I'm not like crazy invested. I just summarize somebody else's work. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I did my own homework. I did my own homework in high school. I don't have to do it now. Um, we even have yeah the flasher gremlin who shows off his like non-existent biological so like amazing. reproductive organs. Uh, yeah, so he like so the the stripe jumps into the pool. Like we get a taste of it. Oh, there's five of these fuckers, and then they kill four. Stripe lives, and then he jumps in the YMCA pool. Cowabunga! And then you're like, oh fuck! So Unlimited much dry ice, of, so much yeah. smoke. Like, I love it. He even goes lights. to he goes to the police like right after, and he's yeah, like, he gremlins, they're fucking everywhere. And they're like mm. thousands of little green men. They're unconvinced at first until he introduces them. They're to also Gizmo. drunk as shit when <laughs> they see him. <laughs> yeah, it's Christmas. They're like saying, they're like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm pretty drunk. They literally say like, <laughs> you got, you can't drive. You're too drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Classic, classic small town cops, or any cops, or any cops. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The new horde of gremlins invades the streets of Kingston Falls, murdering Mister and Missus Fetterman on their way with their own snowplow, and causing various other instances of havoc in the street. Um, the police, finally alerted to the mayhem, jump into action. Uh, snowplow murder is kind of a, a sad ending to Mister Fetterman, right? He died. Yeah, as he they lived. didn't really. I mean, he was a racist. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if his wife deserved that, right? She was um, just trying to make her. I way. love how I, they, my concern was the property damage. I was like, "What the? How are you going to claim insurance on that?" Well, like, the sheer collateral my damage of the it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Like, when it when he started like plowing through the front porch, I was like, "Oh no, there he's unemployed." And then I'm like, "Well, he's dead." So it yeah, really yeah. Anymore. <laughs> it's also clearly a set, right? Like they just drove a snowplow through an actual just a fake set wall. Yeah. It looked really fun. Oh, I mean, all of the destructive things in this movie look fan. Like yeah. the theater here in a minute is my one now, of my favorite scenes. Well, now one of my, my favorite is the chair. Because shortly after this, yes, they get, get to Miss Deagle's oh, house yes. <laughs> and are mimicking carolers out front. 
who she hates. They even put on the clothes. It's like, why did they yeah, take the also, time to put the clothes on? Her home <laughs> looks like a hoarder's home. There's a shit all over the I mean, place. she's an old lady, and she's, I, She's yeah. probably the, I'm thinking, do they not reference her spouse early? I'm unfamiliar. Mr. Deagle? I, th- I feel like it gets brought up. I mean, we can assume. By one of the poor people that ask her to help mm. them. Like my husband. But it, all, it almost kind of seems like she has inherited, like her husband has passed. And she's right. inherited this massive house and all this wealth. Because they show the inside of her house and there's just shit all over the yeah. place. Yeah. And she's got like 10 cats. They're all so, named you know, maybe after her- currency. Yeah, I, honest to God, I like obviously they set her up as just a really easy villain. Like we can kill her because she's rude mm-hmm. to everyone. But when Phoebe Cates started talking about how like you know the time the Christmas is the like the saddest time of the year for some people, I immediately thought of Miss Deagle and I was like, oh, that woman's like all you know <laughs> like elderly people all alone on the holidays sometimes mm-hmm. have it the worst. Is like I doubt, I bet she's pissy because she doesn't have family to visit her. The alternate spec script for this was her redemption arc of like coming together with the rest that. of the town. But like, what no, 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 no. I like what Tyler no, 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 was no, no, saying with a flamethrower and yeah. just torching all. I the like what Tyler I prefer was saying, the ending though. of her in this movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> imagine that she inherited. Her her husband died suddenly before they had the opportunity to get a bus- his business affairs in order, and she inherited like all of his rental properties basically mm. around the neighborhood. And half the reason she refuses to do anything with their rent is because she just doesn't know. Like she was mm. raised in a generation that women didn't run businesses, and so now she has the reins handed to her of like you know ten, all these ten different properties, constantly and, bothering her. Yeah, like, and like if they their... just pay their rent on time, she wouldn't have to do the hard work. Is mm. like she sure is like an asshole because she's you know not. Cutting people slack. We're on doing a Christmas. lot of work for Miss Deagle here. I'm not going to stand yeah, for this Miss Deagle apology. Anyways, back to where she fucking dies. Um, <laughs> so she comes down the stairs on her little uh, motorized seat that carries her down. Which is control. that a real thing? Yeah, you've never seen that. Yeah, you've never seen mm-hmm. that. Like a chairlift in a, in a house. Person. It's for yeah. people who are handicapped who can't like get up and down the stairs. Themselves. I understand yeah. the concept. I just wasn't sure. Like yeah. a circle watching that movie for the first time, I was like, this feels. I mean, fake. it's in a, it's in a rich people houses and stuff. Yeah, you know, like yeah, at least in this era. I mean, they're more accessible now, and people with home yeah. assistance, home health assistance. And she stuff, goes down. She goes down. Here's the carolers outside. Peeks out, ready to throw water at the carolers, which makes you think she's going to get them with the water, but she doesn't. Um, carolers are not carolers. They're gremlins, dressed as carolers. Yeah. Uh, she freaks out and starts talking about how they're here for me. I know. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I like, know. Like, like, they are the vision of, of death. Yes. Right? Like, death is The demons come have me. erupted from hell, and they're yeah. come to drag the her down she was them. awaiting them, too, is like, <laughs> yeah. she's like oh, no. no. It finally yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, she gets back in her chair, which has been messed with by the technologically intelligent gremlins, which <laughs> proceeds to speed her up the spiral staircase at an unknown sp- I mean, it's fast. And uh, then she hits the top, and the whole chair flies out the front window. She gets eaten out the window. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, with such force that she immediately dies upon landing. It's like comical. It is so amazing. A full like 30 feet out yeah. the fucking window. <laughs> right in front of the cop car. I won't stand for these mystical like, apologists over her, here. Her death, we don't see anything but like the legs sticking up out of the chair. But yeah. I imagine that she like broke her, like literally caved her skull on impact oh, of or course. something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Broke her neck. Yeah. Kill uh, count? Yeah, definitely high. Yeah. I mean, we're up to, we got Fetterman's one, two, yeah. we got Miss Deagle three of on-screen deaths that we've seen, but I don't know how also many the various other people in the town yeah. have been killed. 
There's, there's, mm. it, it appears there's dozens, if not more, over a hundred yeah. of the gremlins. They at fuck this with point. the traffic lights and yeah. there's cars slamming into each other, starting on fire. Which I also... always think is funny is like two, two cars at an intersection see green lights, like they both are like, yeah, this makes sense. You say that, but dude, at this but fucking intersection happens, right here, right? even with a functioning stoplight, yeah. like no. people plow into yeah. each other all the time. I went, was getting a haircut yesterday and corner of Adelia and something else. Doesn't matter. Sure. There was a power outage. And the lights were off, yeah. and two cars full speed just went through the intersection and then took out one of the traffic lights that wasn't <laughs> functioning anyways. But I was like, you, there, there's no light? You just go? Yeah. Like, you guys didn't hesitate at all? Yeah. Like, nah. I was sitting right behind them. And it's like just, the light in the movie is changing fast, too. It's mm-hmm. not like a casual, like, oh, then they're both green. It's like green, well, red, red, green, green, red. He's green, messing red. with it until yeah. he gets it to be both green. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I, I know. It definitely, we're dumb enough we would fall for that. Oh, but yeah. I'm like, come yeah. on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Remember your defensive driving practices, like, everyone. This is uh, Darwinism at its worst. Yeah. I think like, on a motorcycle, you just assume everybody's going to try to kill you every yeah. single moment of your life. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. Like, yeah. That seems a healthy way to live. Yeah. No, it's, it's terrifying, <laughs> but it's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, then we get the bar scene, like we said, uh, where Kate is inexplicably still serving uh, drinks to. And the, it's just uh, a long sequence of like comedy bits. So like, what if a gremlin was a jazz enthusiast? What if there was a noir gremlin? What, what if, if gremlins there was a played poker? Gremlin. Yeah. What if there was an '80s uh, like jazzercise gremlin? <laughs> what if there's a gremlin on the fan? They just like, yeah. were, no ideas were bad ideas. <laughs> it's that uh, the fucking Jordan Peele bit from uh, Key and Peele for the sequel. Uh, have you not seen that? No, what? Dude, what? Oh, I'll send it to you after the uh, the recording here because you, you, I thought I put it in the group like, message. No bad ideas. No, yeah. So they, it's it, the idea is that there's like a pitch meeting for the sequel and Jordan Peele comes in as a, as a script doctor and he's like, every idea is a good idea. And that's where we get all of the bizarre mutations of the gremlins from the sequel. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Gremlins invade the local dive bar where Kane, Kate was inexplicably uh, still working. Uh, Billy shows up to the rescue of Kate, and they run away from the tavern and take shelter at the bank where they work. Uh, and we get an explanation of why Kate hates Christmas that is tonally way darker than the rest of the fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> and all the while, Billy is hilariously paying the least a bit of attention while Kate exposits possibly the saddest Christmas story we've ever heard. Uh, mm-hmm. She basically explain, explains in a soliloquy um, that in this monologue, she is like Hamlet bearing her soul in yeah. this moment. It and is the most poignant moment of the whole movie. Billy is like rummaging through the desk and like kind of like, oh yeah, really? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that sucks, dude. Oh, damn, that's crazy. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> damn, that's crazy. And she's like, she says, when she was nine years old, uh, the worst Christmas of her life. Uh, she woke up and uh, they or she. They they were going to bed on Christmas Eve and her dad hadn't come home uh, and her mom tried to call up to the office and they said that her dad had left already and they couldn't find him. Uh, he, he wasn't there. He was absent on Christmas Day and they couldn't find him for the next couple of days. But then they started to smell something. Uh, they thought it was a dead animal, maybe a squirrel they, or a rat. She really? thought she smelled it up in the chimney. Mm-hmm. She thought a rat got stuck in the chimney. They called the fire department. They expected to pull out, you know, like a, yeah, like a possum or something. Uh, but lo and behold, it was her dad who had uh, come down the chimney trying to surprise them and deliver parent presents, but had snapped his neck and died instantly. Snapped his with neck a, while falling down the chimney. Yeah, with <laughs> an armful of presents. <sighs> Which is and why studio, she doesn't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I fucking wouldn't either. The studio wanted nothing to do with this. They wanted to take it out. Scene. Yeah. And Spielberg wanted to take it out. Even Spielberg was like, yeah, this doesn't really track. But Joe Dante 
was leaning into like the dark satire of the Christmas season. It's like it's horror, it's comedy, it's horror comedy. Let's keep yeah. the shit. But in yeah, there. the studio is like, are we supposed to laugh or are we supposed to cry? I don't understand what's yes. happening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I loved it. I thought it's, it was fucking hilarious. It's one of the. It sets the precedent too for. I think this is what I always reference whenever I see in a movie somebody giving like you know the whole like tell don't show thing that is the worst thing that happens in movies where we get huge bits of backstory or other Mm -hmm. like story development or exposition from one single character who has to just monologue off like it's it's one of the worst examples of like how not to write like things into your script but this is just a hilarious like macabre example of it kind of working in the because it's so bad it's good yeah Yeah. Yeah, well and it's such a diversion from what's happening in the movie at that point too yeah like they take this break while running for their lives to, uh, to set up this whole backstory for Kate's family. It's kind of funny to me because, uh, like, screenwriting-wise, it's it's kind of like a narrative must. Is So, like, between Acts 2 and 3, we get, like, the big uh, emotional reveal of, like, whatever's at the core of either of these protagonists' peel problem. Back the onion. Yeah, so, like, here's the real problem. But, like, it has nothing to do with what's physically happening. No. And, like, no. Christmas has so little to do with this entire plot that you're just, like... She's just really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and she only brought it up like once before, very yeah. vaguely. To which he gaslights her and is like, Why? Christmas is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suicide is lame. Christmas yeah. is awesome. Because he literally like is response. like, Damn, that's crazy. And then yeah. they just move on with yeah. the rest yeah. of the movie. <laughs> Never address it. Uh, just bury it deep on down. Yeah. Let's just, hey, let's not talk about it that again. That again. Yeah. You're kind of bumming mm. me out. <laughs> yeah. Um,. Billy and Kate find that the Gremlin Horde has gathered at the movie theater where they are watching Snow White. They manage to burn the theater to the ground with all of the Gremlins inside. Stripe escapes to the toy store across the street. Uh, mm-hmm. The scene is a dream. Because he was in the gas station getting candy. Yeah, he is. He, that's why he wasn't in the Do you think they eat the candy the wrappers? Uh, no, I no, saw I lots of wrappers like, on, the, like, on the ground. They open the wrappers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. smart enough to get dressed. They have opposable thumbs. Yeah. This is wild. They're like these bioweapons running amok in like mm-hmm. Americana, small town America. <laughs> like, ah, you know what? I don't like the plastic around this piece of chocolate. I'm going to take it but off. I will eat this glass test tube. They were, yeah, yeah. as I was say earlier, they did eat glass, didn't they? Yeah. He's like, yeah. like the Grinch baby, mm-hmm. just like eating random in it. Or the, uh, the little kids from Crimes of the Future, the plastic mm-hmm. eaters. Um, Wait, did you guys not see that yet? I haven't seen God it yet. Damn it. I still didn't watch it. Fuck. God. Well, it's on streaming now, so I can watch it. Now. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on Hulu. We just talked about Brandon uh, Cronenberg last episode, I think, actually, and about how he's kind of, he's very much inheriting the mantle of his father. Oh, and, for uh, sure. Maybe going forward yeah. with. Uh, when he released um, Possessor, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I thought. Yeah, we talked about Possessor for a second last time, and we got that new movie coming out. I love Possessor. Um, <laughs> the hilariousness of the Gremlin Horde singing along with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is magical. We also get the fun, <laughs> brief uh, 2D animation shot from behind the silver screen of the, uh, the Horde, uh, of the gremlins as the horde descends on billy and kate right mm-hmm. yeah um, the silhouettes of mm-hmm. thousands of gremlins i love that shot it's great his, yeah, yeah it it's a good little animated like like little 2d uh easter egg there um but yeah they trap them all inside the movie theater with the uh the gas line uh cracked wide open and then they set like a little molotov cocktail uh bomb and trap them all inside. I love how committed Phoebe Cates' character is to, like, preserving, you know, old monuments. And clearly it's, like, a marquee, like, yeah, center it's a nice town theater. square theater. Yeah. And they just fucking blow it up. Mm-hmm. And, like, the bar just gets completely trashed. I'm like, man, this small town just, like, they were like, fuck it. That made me yeah, think of like 30 Days zone. of Night. It's like when the cops are doing their thing and, like, people are falling out of fucking windows mm-hmm. and, like, 
Santa is like being attacked by creatures. It was it made me think of Thirty Days of Night <laughs> when they do the like God's Eye View, it just mm. pan, like a panning across the town. It's just like, people getting wrecked. Will never be the same. Yeah, and I'm like, this would be such a wild like event to happen to a town. Like mm. if and then like all the survivors would try and tell their story. You're like, nah, that's crazy. You made all that right, up. Time for bed. Grandma. Yeah, this is national news, right? Like, yeah. I assume so. But they call um, it well at the end. They call it a, an event of mass hysteria, and I'm yeah. like, I don't think I've ever seen a news report where they were like a bunch of crazy people all dreamed up the same thing. Yeah, because the 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 news story at the end. Yeah, the anchor is like talks of little green men like making fun of them. Yeah, he but there's no their evidence. Experience. There's they're all either incinerated. Like, yeah, they're all incinerated. There's no evidence of any of them existed. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, now there's a whole town of people that are like, gremlins are real. Don't believe the lies. <laughs> you sheeple. It's like a new, gremlins truthers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Billy and Kate chase Stripe to the store across the street uh, and face off in a final battle against uh, the, the leader of the gremlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, With ba- the help of Gizmo. Yeah, and Barney. Barney, Barney. has joined the fight. Well, He's Barbie been... car Gizmo. Yeah. Which is sick. Also, there's, <laughs> it a, is sick. there's that one scene where uh, Stripe is on the tricycle. Oh, and it's like straight out of Leprechaun. leprechaun. Like he's, he's on the he's yeah he's got his little yeah. skateboarding moment too. Yeah. Like he's yeah. like yeah. They, I love the puppet on the the skateboard. He's like the fully independent like puppet mm-hmm. that's able to like roll down the, uh, the the aisle of the toy store. He fucking shreds, bro. Yeah, he does. He fucking shreds. Uh, Stripe finds like a a little water fountain that he or you know like a gardening fountain that he wants to go try and the and duplicate himself with. But they uh, flip on all the lights. I guess they do face off with like a fun chainsaw battle. Uh, briefly, right? I, this is kind of the weirdest thing for me. Is one of my favorite, like obviously the like narrative convention of like they're like facing off and something's like preventing, is delaying the like inevitable climax of it all. But this one actually felt so realistic in a weird way. Like it has a chainsaw and he has a wooden bat, and essentially what he's There's doing is blocking this yeah. like downward stroke chainsaw with a wooden bat. So the timing is how long will it take for this chainsaw to physically cut through a wooden bat? And I don't know why I made a mental note. I was like. That's actually really fucking the smart. The logistics of it really appealed to yeah, you. Yeah, I was like, yeah. actually, it would create just enough time for Gizmo to, like, Barbie car over there. or You know what I mean? Like, that's a great, like, we have to wait. Some other things are happening. It you creates know, enough of a distraction like, for Kate to go flip the breaker and turn on all the lights. Yeah, in the, uh, other movies, you'd be like, okay, we get it. You had an excuse to, like, add new scenes. So I was like, this feels so trend, like real. <laughs> this yeah. is the dumbest thing. The only thing is that happens right after he, like, gets hit by the pitching machine, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, falls against the wall, like, nine times and just keeps kind of, like, clamoring and slamming shit around. So, yeah. yeah, Billy does kind of final girl it up here yeah, a little bit. He sure. loses all his inner ears. Billy's a final up. girl. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, but then once uh, once Stripe gets deflected with the chainsaw, that's, that shit is tight. Where it's like dragging him yeah, along he's... the ground like, <laughs> until the cord comes unplugged. Yeah, it, it, he uses the detraction of the chainsaw to get yeah, to to get pulled to across, the across the ground. Yeah, because um, yeah, I guess like in in a, another movie with like a human antagonist, right? This is where they would be monologuing about, you know, the purpose right. of their master plan, but it's a fucking gremlin. So he's just like popping off and trying to murder them still. And like yeah. shooting, yeah. he's literally just revolver saying like, Billy, yeah. kill. Like that's <laughs> it. Like, Gun. <laughs> I love that they had guns that were roughly gremlin size. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I was like, no gun manufacturer has like a toddler size pistol. It's a little it's just purse like gun. A 22. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like a nine millimeter. Yeah. It's a little baby. Um, this is all we can't, we cannot neglect. Uh, we have to shout out Kenneth. 
because uh, every single time Stripe goes around and he finds a new candy to eat and says, yum, yum, yum. yum. <laughs> I couldn't not think of, you never met Kenneth was one of our former coworkers at the brewery we worked at, we worked at together. And he's, a, he's an actor as well. He's a comedian, mm. but he would film little like selfie videos of himself in the beer cooler eating chocolate and stuff. And he would go into Gremlin character yeah. and be like, yum, yum. Oh my like, God. Every time I hear Stripe say those words, it just like, yeah. I just thought of Kenneth and I can't not. Um, We'd like walk in on him in the beer cooler, like go back to change a keg and like scare him in the middle of a video. <laughs> oh my God. They're awesome. No, they became yeah. like really like, it was became, like, yeah, it was a running thing. It was a viral was a whole sensation. Series. Yeah. Um, Stripe attempts to murder Billy with a revolver, uh, but just in time, Gizmo manages to pull open a, a panel on the ceiling that allows all the light in. To... By now, the sun has risen. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. which they're not. You're not supposed to expose him to sunlight, mm-hmm. so he melts. Um, and okay, so a here's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Here's my question: Is so water helps makes you rep makes them replicate like with or without their like intention? If he like Gizmo gets water, it just shoots fur balls right it's mm. like a biological process sunlight makes them melt so in my mind i was thinking that like the stripe falls into the pool of water and sunlight is across the pool of water would that imply that like he is forever stuck in a loop of of like each of these creatures like molting and creating offspring and subsequently melting but before they can fully melt creating new offspring in like a perpetual loop of like I mean, creation keeps, and destruction it keeps boiling for a while yeah like there's something happening in there like is there like one baby is born and it melts but at, before it melts it spawns another baby and it's That's just an infinite I loop. assume like that was Dark. my thing earlier about like like burning the mogwai as infinite there's, sources of fuel like there has to be some conservation of here's mass here another going on thing where, to like, think about is apparently biologically and this is at the very and two, the final scare is that even though they melt their entire like uh, skin, blood structure, everything except like a skeleton and a loose outline of like their it, like, like a little like, bit of muscle, yeah, tissue. their brain capacity, they're alive and conscious for all of it. He was experiencing the, the the cruelest form of torture, and it doesn't die. Alive. It doesn't die until like the the brain is fully melted. So their so sentience yeah. functions are the last things to go when God, they die. Damn. So dark, dude. it was. Imagine this thing was like melting in a con- in a constant cycle of like creation, melting in pure agony, and then dying and creating again this inside. Is hell. Of- yeah, are we yeah. are we implying that that the offspring are maintaining like it's a continuous sentience between? Well, or, that's the other the thing new, I don't know. Is the new offspring like like a baby just born into the world has no idea? Life begins at it. water. I you know <laughs> there there is something to say like. The the gremlin version of Gizmo, right? They seem like reductions of Gizmo's persona, or at mm. least like miscreant style. Yeah. And then when it subsequently recreates in the YMCA pool, they're just copies. So like they're not reductions in that sense. It's just mm. that they're copies of the original creature. So in that sense, I guess they maybe they, they adopted some of his. Aren't they, they're, they're all a little unique. Right, and when a copy is like intentionally off. I always imagined that they were like splits of his different personality. I always thought it was cool to imagine them as being like their little sort of ego like, yeah. s- like segments or whatever. That's why like Stripe mm-hmm. is like the hide. It's like the worst aspects of his personality manifested into a physical being or something. Right, but then it like creates thousands of it, and you're mm-hmm. like, there's no way there's thousands of aspects of like any one thing. Like, yeah. is this the? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just interesting to me. I was laughing. I was, I was like. Man, that would suck. Like a, a never-ending cycle of rebirth and death. Yeah, but yeah, then it like it seems like a cool jumps fate. out of the fountain at the last minute, yeah. Half, yeah. mostly skeleton, and scares Billy before 
completely it's melting our, into Nickelodeon. It's our Jason too. Voorhees jumping out of the water moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, before it, like, finally descends into just green goo. Mm-hmm. They return home uh, where the uh, elderly Chinese grandfather has located the Peltzer household and <laughs> demands to take Gizmo back. Uh, he chastises them briefly for not following yeah. the simple rules. I love this ending so much. There's a bit of, like, uh, like a like a Pocahontas like, thing yeah, going on here of... These white men are dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you destroy everything you touch. You can't follow. Yeah, yeah everything the natural world gives you, you like destroy it. Yeah. yeah. You're like, fair. But yeah, I also love that Billy's making like googly eyes at his dad. Like, tell the, tell the bad man to leave. Like, it's like <laughs> Airbud. Like, he wants uh, to keep the Mogwai. He's like, I've learned my lesson. Set, I'll be good now. Set Gizmo on the ground and ask him to choose. Like, and it uh, is kind of funny. Art. Like, there is a little bit of like a narrative. Like, I mean... Gizmo and Billy have gone through so much together. They've trauma bonded just, at this point. You can't yeah. just take Gizmo away from him. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like they had to have Gizmo say goodbye. He's like, yeah. here's my favorite part is we find out Gizmo's just been speaking Cantonese the entire time. <laughs> We're like, oh, it understands Cantonese perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> the Mr. Wing, I think is his name, has a full conversation with this mm-hmm. creature and then like translates for him. He's like, oh, you, what does he say? He's like, you can understand if you, if you would only listen. listen. Yeah. yeah, you'll hear what you if you just listen. Yeah. And then the like Gizmo the pops its little heads up. The subtitles say that they're speaking Mogwai. Right. Oh, nice. Well, so I, I'm not familiar enough to with Cantonese to know if he was speaking well, apparently, Cantonese. Mogwai is Cantonese for demon mm-hmm. or mogul. Yeah, the yeah. Word. It's derived it's from the word mogul. combination yeah. of words. Um, uh, so there's like some kind of I don't know that maybe it's a Chinese bioweapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just also, like a mythical being from the from the right. rural countryside. Or of... this would make more sense. Hear me out. It was already native to like the northern reaches of China, so it, this like bizarre creature became like part of the mythology of that culture, um, which is why they even have yeah. a word for it in the first place. Here's another the the other like thirty page pitch is uh, <laughs> Russians discovering this in Mongolia and then using it as a Soviet like actually weaponizing the uh the right. gremlins into into a form of uh, cold war era this is kind of uh, like my bigger thing uh like we like i was telling you earlier but like like we talk about like different sci-fi conceits is like we're way less nowadays i'm way less interested in the lore than i am in like different versions of it like i want to yeah. see different scenarios like prey one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies of the year was just great because it's like what if the predator fought you know indigenous people in, mm-hmm. in the 1500s or you know 1300 whatever but, like, this, I'm like, what if, you know, and then you just say, what if Gremlins existed on, and then, like, insert that phrase, and I would watch that movie in a heartbeat. I'm like, yeah, that does sound pretty dope. Like, what if Gremlins were on a nuclear-class uh, American submarine yes. during, like, the height of... <laughs> the Cuban Missile Cold- Crisis? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, you go yeah, online... We already know that they caused the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, <laughs> you go online, and they're, like, the canonical uh, mishaps that gremlins have caused over the course of history includes... And then name, like, a bunch of technical malfunctions, like a, mm. like an airplane collapsing or a bridge... Or a bridge collapsing or an airplane crashing. And then the next one's, like, the Bay of Pigs fiasco. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Like, I'd watch that movie, though. Fuck yeah. I'll watch anything with gremlins in it. Uh, and hopefully they're coming back soon. Like, I, I do want more gremlins in my life. It's been a long fucking time since they've I uh, honestly think it's a miracle movies. they haven't made more. I think like, it, this seems like surprising. such ripe territory for oh, yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, what I've, from what little reading I did, it seems like they may try to launch this animated series by the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. And I think the pending the success of that content, that may push right. Columbus over the edge to make the third one. Right. But it's one of those flops things where and nobody gives a shit, 
I think they might pull the project. Yeah, it's so. one of those things where he's probably been standing on the edge with that project for years. Mm-hmm. It is like mm-hmm. you go through like up cycles and down cycles. I mean, there was so talk it could have just a, been a Columbus down cycle. There was talk mm-hmm. of a third movie all the way back, you know, from like 2014 to 2016, right? Like, all the way yeah. Back, you know, and so it's it's been it's been floated, but yeah, it's just crazy. Even like then, it took 26 years for them to even. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's probably it's probably been in the works for a while. But. Yeah. I mean, he was also off making many other extremely yeah. successful yeah, exactly. movies. Yeah, he was busy. <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you going to do another Humble Loan or are you going to do another fucking Gremlins movie? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But that's the thing is a lot of his territory, like properties, ideas, you're like, they why haven't they rebooted half? Like, I'm sure there's a mm-hmm. sequel or like a, you know, a requel or whatever they call them yeah. of all of these yeah. things, a Goonies remake or oh my God, a Home Alone. Like, they did. There's a new home, There was a new Home yeah. Alone on Disney+. Plus. You know, it's oh, the same thing. I mean, it, it's straight to Disney Plus. Yeah. There you go. Um, but the reception <laughs> of this, said. the reception of this movie was crazy, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it, obviously, it became a cult classic pretty quickly, uh, and even in its time, though, made oodles and oodles of money. Yeah. Um, the opening it was weekend, pretty close to outperforming Ghostbusters. Like, exactly. It, it only fell like a couple million short. Yeah. So of... the opening weekend for this movie, uh, the top five at the box, box office, right? So Ghostbusters opens the same weekend uh, and opens to first in the box office, uh, raking in about seventy-seven million dollars, seventy-seven point one million dollars. Um, in second, it's uh, Temple of Doom, uh, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, which is in its third week, but still man- manages to make right about $70 million uh, that weekend. Gremlins comes in third uh, and man- still manages to bank $65 million That's that insane. weekend. It's, it's wild that like those three audiences aren't... I mean, it's summer and it's blockbusters yeah. and yeah. it's people... Maybe these things aren't cannibalizing each other, but like... Well, so Warner Brothers, from what I understand, did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were... was slated to potentially be a, a Christmas release. Right. But then they realized we don't have shit to compete with Temple of Doom or Ghostbusters. They didn't yeah. see and those they as push the as production stealing the audience away, so that they could counter Indiana Jones and yeah. Ghostbusters. And it still did this. Like that's absurd. Yeah, it's wild. and even like yeah, um, the director Joe Dante is like, I have no idea how surprised this movie yeah, was. So yeah, successful. It's, like, it's just one of those things that happens every once in a while, and he admits it that like they didn't think this was gonna work. Right. How it was. I love it when movies like that catch too, because directors are completely on una- like caught completely unaware, and they're like, I didn't think I would be. I thought it'd be good, but I didn't think it'd be this good. Like mm-hmm. Get Out. Uh, Jordan Peele's like kind of said the same thing before. He's like, I didn't think white people were gonna like it. He's right. like, <laughs> I. He was like, was it was really point. hard for me to think like, oh, white people are gonna see this and get it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and turns out he Which, was like i mean from his point of view that's fair yeah oh yeah and he, like i'm reading his screenplay where he has all these notes and he's like and i he worked extra hard to like make it like make it more hidden or like confuse things a little more mm-hmm. he's like he's like because all the black people are gonna watch this and know instantly like don't trust exactly. that don't trust yeah, that exactly. whole family <laughs> these white people are dangerous yeah again which is surprisingly the theme of of you know fucking gremlins of lots of stuff. I uh, um, I want to add my freshman year. This is a great story. Gremlins is a great example of this. Overanalyzing. Uh, my freshman year of college, I walked into a class, uh, like an analysis class, and you're kind of like, sweet, we watch movies and write essays about them. It's like a dream come true. And you meet a lot of film nerds there, and they all kind of come preloaded. They like have all these really fun like tidbits they can throw at you and like blow your brain. They have their their speech that they give at the party. To yeah, yeah. This will, I'll never forget. Care, <laughs> maybe within three weeks of me starting school, this guy kind of like we're hanging out studying for class together, and he, we're joking about something. Gremlins comes up, and he's like, "Yeah." You know, Gremlins is just like also a like a sharp criticism of um, the influx of Japanese products in American markets, mm. um, and is a jingoist perspective on faulty Japanese products uh, containing like violent sprites 
um, and like a, a subtle endorsement of American made uh, engineering um, and like the like suburban American lifestyle. And as like an 18 year old, I was like, what the fuck are you <laughs> talking about? The movie's about what are you on about? <laughs> but he's like, yeah, a lot of critics have kind of poked at like the idea that like, you know, all these like American, like the, it's all jingoist sort of like, oh, it's all foreign products yeah. like, and flooding Anti- the market. With, with like... Fetterman standing in as like the popular sentiment of xenophobia. Exactly. And, like, yeah. It's like, and, it, and it's like, it comes out at the height of the 80s. Yeah. Um, when, yeah, but when American, Futterman. like, yeah. Like, they make him like seem he like is, an idiot. Yeah. The misguided, know? like, weirdly you know, I, I think the criticism was more just trying to place the movie within its like uh, historical context is right. like 84 mm. the geopolitical context is like american companies are feeling extremely threatened by the rise of a lot of like japanese production companies mm-hmm. not like movie like, just like, co- like like we sony and yeah. uh, like a bunch yeah. of different companies <laughs> yeah but it's like kind of a, a like poking at like some of those ideas in like suburban america where they're mm. like oh everything you buy on shelves now is like the ja- is like japanese made or something and that's why mm. it doesn't work right yeah, yeah, which the conclusion within the movie is like, by the way, it also contains like evil monsters. Yeah, so like it's, it doesn't work yeah. right or whatever. Well, yeah. It's the same um, as like American and British pilots saying like, it's not that our planes are just breaking down. It's, it's yeah. that some demonic little imp that's fucking with us. Yeah, because our American made planes would not break down. Right. Mm-hmm. There but has I, to be some. I like, just thought it was interesting because there's still like some sort of line to trace around consumerism and like yeah, gremlins. For sure. Like gremlins are at, at and at this like most philosophical core, like a reflection of our worst selves. Is like they all they do is mimic our worst possible behavior. Like the gremlins, not the mogwai, for right. biological clarity. Um, the gremlins reflect a lot of our worst, like chain smoking seven cigarettes in a single sitting, <laughs> and like downing pitchers of beer. Even like our more creative instincts, but it's like poking fun at like I mean, the eighties like, consumerist. <laughs> like even the jazzercise jokes is kind of like look how ridiculous this is. Mm. Which is like a generous criticism. It's a movie about little weirdo yeah. puppet monsters killing people. Yeah. I don't know. It's a fun movie though, and it's a fun Christmas movie, and I'm really glad that we talked about it for Christmas. It's gonna it's be a new Christmas awesome. tradition for me. I actually, oh, yeah. I'm like, this is this gets me as much in the mood for Christmas as any other Christmas. Oh, movie. absolutely. Same. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's fucking awesome. Uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah. Feliz Navidad. Happy, happy holidays. Yeah. Uh, happy holidays. Yeah. Sorry. Good way to Merry Holly Mess. <laughs> this this might be where yeah we're getting really close to capping off what the do they say of, uh, community 2022 here have you yeah. seen that episode of community where they have to do uh where the school's required to do a non-specific holiday so he just says like mary chris mahana kwanzaa or something no it's <laughs> like, just like mary human miss or something no, no. <laughs> happy saturnalia yeah yeah that's a good one to do um yeah, that's Gremlins. We're gonna uh, so this comes in between our episode on Mahalan Drive and Gothica, guys. Uh, so go listen to our episode on Gothica. This is kind of like this is gonna drop midweek, uh, right around the Christmas weekend. So um, it'll be out there as a bonus. And I thought maybe uh, as a bonus segment here, uh, if you guys would spend like ten to fifteen minutes talking about the best movies of twenty horror movies of twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, you got to have in like a room a, together. A weird like candid conversation. Best horror movies of yeah. Let's talk about because okay. I think if we let's put some limiting factors on there because we can talk fair. about the ones that we watched this year and some of the ones because mm-hmm. this is a fucking crazy year. Um, for horror movies so if you guys want to uh listen to that go over to our patreon and start listening to our extra co- bonus conversation i'm about to get um, i got my boxing gloves right here i know i feel like we're gonna, tyler's got his box what i want to see is like i want to see which ones we rank above some other ones here too oh, so sure. um, otherwise go follow our instagram at scary sunday scaries uh go follow our patreon patreon.com slash scary sunday scaries uh if you want to follow me on instagram i'm at trap the guy 
at Tymant, T-Y-M-A-N-T-Z. I'm at DG underscore Pappas. Yeah, go check it out and uh, have a good week, guys. Uh, happy Merry Christmas and have a good happy holidays and have a great Saturnalia and other Festivus uh, events that you may <laughs> be celebrating this weekend. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, yeah. Bye. Sunday Scaries.